episode of the Backlog Breakdown. Today, I've got some news to share. I come to you with a heavy heart because we have (laughs) a guest on the podcast. Sorry, Nate just winced at what I said. Because we have a guest on today's podcast. um, And actually, I don't have... uh, My heart is heavier than his because we have the my, one, my heart the only. Is just <laughs> fell out of my chest cavity. Uh, the one and only. I think I'm going to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just as offended. Oh, that's good to know. Uh, Nate hates all my dad jokes. My last name is Broccolo, so the make of that. There's always, you know, uh, one of my one of my good friends in high school actually didn't know that for a few months as, as he knew me. I was homeschooled, so it's not like. You know, my, my last name was bandied about. Uh, and when he found out, he walked into my house. Like he, it cracked him up. He walked into my house and he goes, what's up, Broccolos? And just busted out laughing. And <laughs> we were just like looking around like, yeah, that's our name. Like it's, it's, I get that it's, it's not, funny. It's not the worst last name I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> when I, I, I coached basketball mm-hmm. like, at my at a high school. And uh, uh, one of the last guys, boys' last names was Cox, C O X. Yeah, his first name was Isaac. Okay. <laughs> oh, I I did not Poor name guy. him. <laughs> Poor guy. So I mean, it, at least it wasn't Richard. But anyways, yeah. this, this can take. I'm, I'm going to cut it off there because this can take so many. <laughs> Wrong turns. What, and this what, is just the cold oh, open. And an army buddy of mine, and I'll I'll share his name off recording, <laughs> or maybe. Um, but it's <laughs> it's one of those things when you you say it, mm-hmm. you you try to say it a way that it's like does not sound offensive, and he's like he will very quickly correct you and be like, oh no, it's the one. <laughs> it's the offensive one. <laughs> It's, it's exactly as bad. Now as my now my imagination is going wild. It's it's <laughs> so, not that so, whatever, so, but so like so you know how like a lot of um uh, modern game like a lot of games have like chat filters and mm-hmm. stuff like that um like like profane filters on their chats. So I was playing this one game with a couple of friends of mine, like a local co op, <clears throat> and we and we noticed that the chat filter was rather aggressive. Uh, okay, for example, it would like filter out. Um, the last four letters of grape. Um, okay. I was like, yeah, mm. let's say that. Okay. Just like, like put asterisk instead. So me and my, one other of my friends was like, just started like typing every slur. Be like, would it catch this one? Would it catch this one? Would it mm-hmm. catch this one? Meanwhile, my other friend has it turned off in a screen <laughs> recording. And he's like, I'm learning so many new words today. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, oh my! Um, well, later on in the podcast, dear listeners, you you'll learn all kinds of different words that uh, that Jordan has to share with us. Um, but I, you know, I didn't even say I'm your regular host, Josh. We've got Nate, of course, hey my yo. co-host. Um, but yeah, also Jordan, thank you so much for coming on with us today and just hanging out for a little while, talking about what you're doing. We're excited to to kind of dig into that a little bit as well. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Even even from the well, a little bit. I'll, I'll say a little bit of an extensive pre-show that we had. Um, it has been a delight. So really looking forward to it. 
as well. Uh, before we jump into the main topic, which is really just kind of, yeah, digging into what you have just me. going on. Yes. Yeah, dude. Talk about. You've, got, you've got some interesting <laughs> things to, to, to tell the, the audience, to tell the mm-hmm. listeners. So, um, And before we get there, we generally, we have a few different forms that we follow. The first of which is because it has been uh, an undisclosed amount of time since the last time Joshua, we recorded Joshua, a podcast. Stop, stop. You're stepping on my, my bit here. Mm-hmm. And it hurts my feelings. It hurts Ouch. my like. It hurts me step on your more. It, it hurts me. I hate when you step on my bit. Um, it hurts me more than that terrible pun or dad joke that you tried to open the show with. Mm-hmm. That was that was like offensive. Like yeah. I died for a minute there. Um, <laughs> unlike, but I think what you mean to say in all of this, Joshua, is that it's, it's been, been an undisclosed amount of time since I talked to you. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you mean. That's yeah. That that is what I mean. So, um, in that w- within that undisclosed amount of time, what, what's been going on, Mister McKeever? How you been doing? Well, I figure since um, Jordan is is new to the show, we could okay. take a, a couple minutes, and he could sort of just introduce himself to the you know to the listeners. We've gotten to know him a little bit, Wonderful. like like you, like I. This is like easily one of the 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 more. Um, I think we were just talking about how, like, there was just a really organic vibe. Like this, like Jordan, you are our kind of people. So, um, <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, we've just, we've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit before, you know, recording, but why don't you just share a little bit about, you know, just like give us the, the 10,000 foot view here. Um, yeah. Who well, how did I get here? Jordan. <laughs> um, so my name is Jordan Lightheart. Uh, it's, pronounced Jordan. I know it looks like Jordan, but it's my mom's maiden name, so she'll kick my ass if I say it any other way. <laughs> uh, I am the uh, founder and solo dev for a new studio called LuxCore Studios. Um, I've been in game dev since 2014. Um, nice. Lots of other things to talk about, but that's probably a, a good way to do it for a parachute out of the plane and uh, skydive onto my mind i guess i'm i don't know where that analogy was going nice. but <laughs> dude it's i like that you took me yeah. on a journey well and and you're you you know a little bit you you were just telling us uh well as of recording it's it's almost your daughter's birthday you have two little ones i i've got one more minute before it's my daughter's birthday actually <laughs> technically. yeah um yeah i have a i have a uh four-year-old as of um tomorrow mm-hmm. and then a two-year-old as of last month Oh man, nice. Yeah, so it's it's a it is like there's there's a lot of oh uh, man, I don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> kids have been the best thing, honestly, that mm. is I've I've ever done. Um, I thought that marriage was going to be the best thing that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, I thought that you know basketball was going to be the best thing that I'd ever done. Mm. But um, there's something truly joyful and uh kick in the pants for a man to become a father and Mm -hmm. it is uh weird i said i've said this to friends before it's weird because you suddenly lose a significant amount of free time but all that free time is well worth it It, i i can't explain it and you and it's it is like man 
you, you get to the other side and it's like, and people and people who don't have kids yet don't understand mm-hmm. just what it's like, but it is fantastic. Yeah. And then you just have to trust me that it will be <laughs> I, like, <laughs> like I, I, there, there's no, there's no logical, um, there's no, we'll say secular logical way reason for why it's awesome. Yeah. Except that it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got one question along those lines. Just, this is just me being curious because this yeah. is, has been different for a lot of the different dads that I've talked to. At what moment did it really hit you? that you were a father. So I'll say for me, it was the moment my wife told me that she was pregnant. And I know that's very, it seems to be very unique because a lot of my other dad friends have said that first sonogram, you know, when they saw Mm -hmm. the child in the womb, something like that. But for me, it was like a ton of bricks where it was, oh, expletive. Like I need to get my stuff together because I'm a dad now. That was, oh, it man. was, it was when my wife told me she was pregnant. What, what was that moment for you? Or well, so, did you have that moment? Well, so there's, there's a weird thing where, um, uh, we can, we'll get into this later about how, how, it happened. like, I don't want to get into the birds and bees of how it happened. I think we all know how <laughs> this happened. But, um, there's this wisdom podcast. in that. There's wisdom in that. <laughs> uh, but, but my wife and I had like kind of, um, decided that we were going to work for a kid. So like there was this mental okay. process like, okay, like I'm, I'm like mentally ready. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment when I was like, Oh, there's kind of a person inside like my wife's belly was, uh, I would sing to my daughter in, in the womb a lot. Um, okay. For every night, like I would, I would pray over her and, and sing to mm. her and stuff like that. And then one point I was like, I'm going to be, you know, a guy, I'm going to blow a raspberry on my wife's tummy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my daughter punched through my wife's, like not like <laughs> broke the skin, but like punched me yep. through my wife's belly. Yep. Um, and it hit me in the mouth and I was just like, Oh, I know exactly the type of person that this <laughs> uh, girl is going to be. Uh, she's not going to put up with my, you know, my stuff and it's going to be wonderful. Um, but I also had like, like what I was talking about with like the, the, awesomeness and the weirdness of being a dad was I was the stay-at-home dad for a year Um, and so it was a different role and a different mentality and so like Mm -hmm. when I got back into the workforce um, when she was 15 months old uh, was like what that was when I was like oh my gosh I feel this like just drive yeah that I've never felt before yeah Um, versus like the first year was just like um, I don't know I'm scrambling like <laughs> it's almost like, and I was, I was first time dad, um, in a new city. We had moved there, uh, six months before she was born mm. and COVID happened th- when she was four months old. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. My church shut down. Uh, and I realized very quickly that, uh, single dads cannot really go on playmates or not single dads, stay at home dads cannot really go on playmate play dates with, uh, stay at home moms. It's mm. just weird. Yeah. And so yeah. it Makes was sense. just me and me and my daughter for a long yeah. time. There you go. You know, so yeah, last week I, I actually took a week off and I stayed home and I had used a month of like bonding paternity leave when we brought Byron home and the last week I stayed home with him and it's just like dude 
I told my wife, I said, like, if we ever fall backwards into a pile of money, like I, I could probably just like be a stay at home dad. Like I could, <laughs> like, it is like the coolest little thing, like to just like be there for your kid. And now there would bring it, that brings up like issues, like just the ethics of like, I think people need to work. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not, not just to pay bills, but I think it's good for us to have things to do. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and it's, you know, being a stay at home dad is that's a job as much as like being a stay at home mom is. Um, but yeah, I just, I was like, man, like, this is like the coolest thing is just like shaping this little one. And like, but not even shaping them or just like helping them sort of like unpack themselves. I I don't know. There's like, it's, he's, uh, he's, his, his, like his personality is really coming out right now. Um, nice. So how old is he now? He, he just turned one last week. Oh Um, yeah. Oh man. Has he started walking yet? Uh, he is like on the cusp. So he does the thing where like he stands on his own for like a second or two. And the other day he, he stood there and he just wobbled for like a solid minute. And I was like, (laughs) this is like, this is imminent. And I'm like, I know people are like, oh, the minute he starts walking, like you're done. And I'm like, nah, that's good. It's going to be like, like, that's like, it's going to be lit. Like, yes. It, 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 am I going to spend like a ton of time, like pulling him out of things that I don't yeah. want him to be in? Yeah. yeah. 100%. Like, but it's like, I'm also like, I am so excited to like, ch- like he crawls and he crawls really stinking fast, but it's like, I chase him around the house and I can't wait to like, like watch him, like do his little like toddler sprint. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm my, there my, for it. My two year old son, um, caught him the other day he was we put up a fence for the puppy in the backyard it's a four foot i think four foot chain link and uh he Mm -hmm. i caught him the other day standing on his uh tonka fire truck i think he actually had it at it like on his belly and like on the fence and it pulled himself up and was like teetering (laughs) you're you're and it's not is it's not a bad thing you're in for a treat as soon as they start running around by themselves it is crazy at how much fun it is. Like I rejoice in being a hu- human jungle gym. Like, and <laughs> yeah, don't get me, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like I have nieces and nephews and when they were all smaller, it was like my favorite thing in the world to just like, let them just like climb on me and just like walk around and throw them around. And, you know, just like, it's, it's the best, but I think what's and it. There's a profound difference between, that and like i love my nieces and i love my nephews and like each one of them has a special place but that little boy like he is like my wife and i we've always loved kids right and so like even the kids at at our church right like we love messing around with them and stuff like that but it's like now like i've got my own little like like you know you know dirt magnet to like you know and i'm 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 all about it i'm like yeah like you know it is so, awesome. That's awesome. Well, speaking of, uh, you mentioned Nate. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was little Byron's birthday this past week. Mm-hmm. Is that what else? And you stayed home as well. I, I I stayed home for the week. He had so and and I 
he had three birthday parties, which was <laughs> um, kind of wild. Um, so the, the the first one was just like on his actual birthday, and he's like one, so he doesn't know it. But it was like we took him out to eat. Um, we got like a we got we went to Firehouse Subs, and we got like a brownie. We brought it back. He he had a little bit. I gave him some chocolate milk that day. Like he he was he was oh. living like he was like like living, living well. And then, um, because it is an open adoption. So, uh, mm-hmm. we, on the way out to my parents, um, we stopped in at the, his, his bio moms for a little bit and they threw a party for him and he got his very first smash cake there. And he was like real nice. slow. Like he was like, what is going on here? And then as <laughs> soon as like, at one point in time, like he's like, he's just like content to just jam the icing in his face. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, there's cake too, man. And so like, I just took like a fork and I just scraped off. Like I cracked open the cake a little bit. And as soon as he could get at that cake, it was like, it was all over. <laughs> and he was just like this, and at one point in time, he's just got his like tiny little like toddler arm. He's just like hammering this cake. Like, he's literally <laughs> smashing the smash cake. Like, just, um, and then uh, my wife's be- one of my wife's best friends wanted to throw him a big like sort of blowout first birthday party, and it, it was all really really nice, right? And. So my reading room, you know, where I'm recording right now is, and it's all off, off mic. Um, I'm actually staring at it. Well, not right now, but, uh, just a moment ago, I was staring at a, uh, very large teddy bear that was given to him. Um, plus an assortment of diapers and clothes and some toys. They were like, dude, every time someone would give there, there was like a toy that, and it was like, it lights up and makes noise. I was like. I know yeah. it's the worst. <laughs> we always tell like, people just to give us a book. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um but yeah, and so yeah, he had three birthday parties and it's like I definitely think next year we're going to rein that in. We're not <laughs> we're we're not doing three. Um we so like we we're family four, right? And then uh son's birthday is the beginning of October, wife's birthday is mid-October, my birthday is like mid early November and then my daughter's birthday is like mid November. So wow. Like for a month we just had like birthday after birthday after birthday after birthday. And it's like I'm pretty sure I gained like fifteen pounds just from the cake that we have to celebrate. <laughs> yes. At some point we're just gonna push them all together and be like, we're celebrating once. <laughs> <laughs> Giant party for everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, that sounds reasonable to me. Right. <laughs> that's just me. Um, Joshua in, yes. in the meantime, they, they, mm-hmm. like, how are things with the Broccolos? Things are very good, um, but just hectic, but in, in a good way. So, you know, as constant updates on the whole moving situation, you know, our house was on the market for about a month, which is way longer than we expected, but we got a really good offer this past week, um, a cash offer as well, which means that it closes very quickly. They want it to close quickly, which is great because that works out for us because we'll be moving in a week and a half at this point. So um, we're actually going to be able to close before then, so long as you know the, so long as they don't pull out in the next like three days or whatever it is that they have left. So uh, yeah, our our house we're under contract to sell our house, which is super cool because then if we close before we move, then that means we can like immediately start looking for a new home when we get up there. So uh, that's super cool, and then. 
just a, a little note about that too. One thing I, I was just blown away by because one of the elders of the church there um, has this property that he's letting us stay in for a while. And he was giving me some details over the past week. And he was like, yeah, it's a, it's like a five bedroom, like three and a half bath. Uh, it's on seven acres. Is that going to be okay? <laughs> like, are you are you kidding me? Um, Ask for another acre. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I I was talking to to my wife Sam about it, and she was just like, um, "So anything we get is going to be a downgrade from <laughs> this this place that we're going to be staying when we first go." This is crazy. So, uh, anyways, all that to say is lots to look forward to. the The hectic part of it, though, is because. It, the house closes so soon, it means we need to get all of our stuff out of the house. So we've got uh, the moving, we're using pods to move. And so the pod is being delivered tomorrow, um, which is super fun to pack up all our stuff and then just figure out how to live without our stuff for, you know, a week, week and a half, something like that. Uh, we're going to be crashing with my parents for a few days through the Thanksgiving weekend and then heading up there. So uh, yeah, just, crazy stuff. So for anyone, I'm trying to think of when this, this episode actually releases, I think right before we move. Um, if, if, you know, I usually give out at the end of the episode, all of our contact information, if you don't hear from me for a little while, it's because everything is in flux at the moment. It's, it's good. It's exciting. You know, looking forward to, to good things. I'm super stoked. Um, but there's just a lot to do. So that's where I'm Chaos. at. Chaos. Right Yes, yes, good chaos. You don't have to slay this chaos. Um, so you're saying is you're going to be playing a lot of Switch games over the next... That That's exactly what I'm saying. I was just <laughs> packing up the, the PS4, the, the Xbox One, that really, it's mostly my son who plays that. We've been playing some Halo. Um, but that is actually a great segue into our next form, uh, which we call the Backlog Report. It's where we take a report that we have written up... A new, like a news report is what we have, where we That's report a, on. Hmm? That, that? that is always the finest of Foley works, my friend. Definitely. That, that almost know? makes up for that abysmal joke, like opening <laughs> bit. Like, almost makes up for it. Not quite, not quite, but... Never. Um, um, but the the backlog report. So we talk about the stuff that we've been into. You know, we want to beat down our backlogs. That's kind of what we're about here on the backlog breakdown. Um, but let's go ahead and just break down our backlogs. Why not? Um, can you say beat down and break down and backlog anymore in that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's for SEO. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> well, um, Jordan, since you're our guest, um, yeah. the, we, you know, we, we've kind of been just like, we used to just sort of like let everybody rip through their whole report. But the way that we've been doing it lately is uh, we'll start with books. And so why don't you sort of kick it off and tell us a little bit about something that you've been reading lately? Uh, I am reading, start, uh, reading through Fellowship of the Ring for the 18th mm. time. Mm-mm-mm. 18 times mm-hmm. it's Love been it. almost 10 years since i read it uh so yeah and then um robert green's 48 laws of power okay okay uh, um, do i need to give it do i need to give any synopsises or anything or just- no i mean if you don't want to i mean i think like most most everybody's familiar with uh you know the rings 
the Ring trilogy um, and, and that source material. Now, now, I did think it was pretty interesting. 18 times. So you actually kept track of how many times that you, you've read it. Yeah. Um, so I read it. I tried to read it when I was like 10. So when I was wow. nine, we, we moved to England um, as a family. And there was not a lot of like entertainment options. And mm. so reading was like the primary thing of doing it. Because we went from like a half acre lot in um, Birmingham, Alabama to, you know, a, a 200 square foot garden, as they call them in England. A uh, shoebox. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a lot of reading that happened. Um, so I tried to read it when I was nine or 10. Um, my older brother told me I had to read the foreword and I did not get through it. <laughs> uh, and so then I read it, started it again when I was 11. Um, so it was like the last year we were there. and. Uh, and then I, I, I skipped the forward and read it just basically back to back to back to back to back to back to back, like constantly. That oh, that's wild. Um, and then after that, so I got almost, I think I got 11 times that year. Um, I oh, read, wow. I do read quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. and then, um, after that I was like, okay, I'm going to do it once a year. And so I got it uh, once a year until I got like a lot into like extracurricular activities and high school and stuff like that. And then kind of stopped. So, um, I think that was 17. So when I was telling you in the, in the pre-show that I, when I was 12, I was arguing with people on AOL message boards about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's why, because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're in good company here, friend. It's um, true. And now I, I have heard a little bit about the 48 laws of power. Um, yeah. not overly familiar with it. Just, is it? What is it generally? Um, it is 48 rules um, that basically explain how to get power over somebody else mm-hmm. um, using historical examples generally. Uh, I do not like most of the laws, yeah, but I like to know that they exist. Mm. Um, so that if someone tries to use it on me, I know what they're doing. Mm. Um, it is often, um, my mom really hates the book. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. And so it's often used by manipulators and abusers to gain control over people, Mm. um, is how she would describe it. But I also know that like, um, as the Bible says, be, uh, innocent as dove as crafty as a serpent kind Mm -hmm. of thing. It's like, I need Mm -hmm. to know what, methods are being used um so that if i experience them i know what's going on no there's there's i mean there's definitely wisdom in that and i i think like it's sort of it's not a biblically rooted perspective but i think about uh sun Tzu wrote in mm-hmm. the art of war sure you know that half the battle is knowing yourself the other half is knowing your enemy and mm-hmm. if you know yourself and your enemy like you know you kind of Victory isn't, I think he wrote it differently, but victory isn't assured, but it's like, it's much more likely, like if you go into, into, and, and, you know, a confrontation sort of half informed, it's just like, there's, yeah. Yeah. Knowing is half the battle. Yeah. G.I. Joe. Um, uh, I see it similarly to like Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. Um, okay. It's like, I can see how these are effective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I see why they're being used. And so when I see them being used, I can also point out like what's going on 
um, without necessarily having to use them myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, the, just because you have knowledge of how something works doesn't necessarily mean that you need to employ it. Right. And some yeah. of them are actually like, like generally very, like I, I'm thinking generally for like marketing and it's like, how do I, sure. um, I, I think one of the rules is like, there is no bad press kind of thing. There is no bad notoriety. It's like, as long as like, is it is better. I think the phrase maybe is like, it's better to be known than unknown kind of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. because if you're known, like even for bad things, people are still talking about you. And he uses PT Barnum as he, as like the historical example for it. Mm. Um, and that is something that I don't necessarily think is wrong, but I struggle with. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. Yeah. I don't want to like be known in a certain, like have this, uh, reputation following me. That's not good. But at the same time, if that's the way to make, you know, my studio succeed, if that's the way to make sure that my family's bellies are filled and stuff like that, I don't see a sin. It's, I don't see it as a sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, that is, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of, yeah. I mean, there's kind of like issues with pragmatism and it's like, you know, I think pragmatism versus being principled, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely like there's, there's stuff where it's like, maybe we get kind of like a bit of like the weirds or a bit of ick like surrounding that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily make it immoral. It just means like maybe it's not my favorite thing in the world to do, but if it's effective and it's not sin, is it bad? It's yeah. Yeah. Some sticky. And I'd rather not use most of them <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But it was like, yeah. but I, again, for me, it was like, I just, I really um, would like to know if, yeah, if I'm, if, if someone's trying to use one of these against me is yeah. really what it boiled down yeah. to. Yeah. No, 100%. Well, um, Josh, mm-hmm. uh, what have you been reading here lately? I've got a couple of books that I've listened to. The one that I'm 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 reading I haven't finished yet, so we'll get to that later. Um, but two that I listened to here over the past couple of weeks. Uh, one is a letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas, um, and then the other one is the War on Men by Owen Strand. Um, both of them I have somewhat similar thoughts, even though they're very different books. Um, so the letter to the American church, Metaxas generally um, basically uh, takes this idea of how the church does not um, currently address, uh, it is very reticent to, and this of course is, you know, kind of the, a huge generalization, generalization um, is reticent to speak into cultural issues. Um, and he compares this to the church in Germany. Um, he, he has written a book of, um, a book on Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So he knows a lot about Bonhoeffer. Um, and, and so he compares, he, he, he basically says like, these are the stakes of like, if you look at during, uh, Hitler's rise to power, the German church was silent about what was going on there. And we see, you know, um, the, <laughs> things that happened then. And so he's, he's basically saying that, um, if you profess to, to, to be a Christian, then you ought to stand up in the public square for the things that you believe in. 
And so by and large, um, I like that message. I, I do, you know, I don't agree with everything that he says in it. Um, and even just kind of the ways, like, is it exactly a one-to-one parallel? I don't, I, you know, I don't know that I'd say that, although there are certain issues um, that are deemed political nowadays that I think the Bible is very clear on um, that, yes, we ought to be public, you know, on our stance about that because it's Christian orthodoxy. Um, so I, so I generally agree with it and, um, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty good. Um, but I do think, you know, you can, you can take it to, to other places you may not want to take it to. Um, the, the second one, uh, is the, the war on men by Owen Strand. Um, I, I liked it. I did feel that it was uneven. And again, maybe it's the same thing. I, I talked about it with a previous book. Um, but I, I felt like the first half to like three quarters of the book was kind of laying the foundation. And then the final quarter, the final few chapters was very practical. And I loved the practical part of the book. Um, laying the foundation was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, it, it was a lot of, a lot of kind of just making statements. And then I was kind of trying to see where he was going with it. But then when it got to, when it finally drilled down into the practical, I was like, okay, this is really good. And again, I don't agree with everything. There are some nits that he picks that I would not, um, necessarily, uh, but by and large, I did end up really liking it, even though it was just kind of so, so, um, but for those, those final few chapters, I really enjoyed that a lot. So. Um, those are, those are the two books that I've been listening to, um, and just kind of my overview of those. What about you, Nate? Um, well, what I'm going to say is I think both of you are reading far more substantial things than I've been, uh, lately. Um, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, you, you know, uh, one of our, our, our buddies here, uh, Dorian, uh, mm-hmm. had, you know, pointed out that he had picked up uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the last run in Lost Years, which I didn't realize that that was out. Like I had gotten into the last run in sort mm. of arc, um, which I think is a, a phenomenal uh, Turtles story. Um, and I had heard rumblings of the, the Lost Years, but then when I saw like he had the the hardback collection that collected all the stories and all, I was like, oh, that's cool. So I, I went and pulled the trigger on that, and I started reading that. And nice, I I like it. Um, I don't find that the Lost Years is as compelling as the original Last Ronin story arc. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of filling in some of the gaps, and I think like the what I've just noticed and I'm not sure is like there is a, a, a modern media has uh, the tendency to kind of fill in the gaps when sometimes I think it's fine to just like have there be like a time skip that you don't, you don't need like there's like, sure. And I've noticed that too. And, yeah. and like I've watched house of dragon and I was like, this is just like just 50 years goes by and you're like, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> yeah um and so it's like it doesn't and it's it's not bad but it's kind of like filling in some of the backstory between like so it, like you know jordan i don't know if you're familiar with the last round at all but I'm basically not. there's a point in like the so the the comic turtles and the the animated series turtles exist in two totally different spectrums um 
the comic book turtles in this storyline, okay, in this sort of telling, there's a point where basically all of them are killed except for one. And half of that that arc is like, which turtle is the one who lived? Because he fights with all of the weapons masterfully. Um, and so it's like, who is it? And there's the reveal, but then... So and there's like this kind of like big showdown between him and the the heir apparent to Shredder's empire or whatever, um, but then there's like so this lost years is sort of like well what happened from the moment where like okay like all like his three brothers died up to this point and they're kind of filling that in but they're also sort of seeding this storyline for like at some point time like these there were these four other baby turtles that were mutants that were discovered around the end of the last Ronin. And so now, so it's like, you've got this kind of like jigsaw on that jigsaw, but like this kind of like they're weaving together. Like there's, so there's the story of everything that happened leading up to the last Ronin. And then there's kind of this story of like these four younger, this new generation of turtles being raised up or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's, it's fine. Again, I don't think it's as compelling. It's like, it's an interesting sort of piece of fiction. And there's actually going, I think, well, and we'll see because I, I want to say Embracer Group, I think has the rights to do a um, license game. I don't, I don't know if it's, I, but I'm pretty sure it's an Embracer Group studio. Is like, there's word that one of those, like it's coming out. So, um yeah, it's 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 cool source material. I just I think Lost Years is like it's fine. I haven't finished it yet, but it's like what I've read so far. I'm like, yeah, it's it's entertaining, but I don't think it's like it's not it doesn't have the same weight or impact that mm-hmm. Last Rona did. Um yeah. so moving on here, uh talking just like things that we've been watching, movies, TV. Um, sometimes this is where like, I'm actually going to be sort of tagging in a little bit of a podcast that I've been listening to lately. Um, but what have you, like, have you been watching anything interesting lately, Jordan? Uh, funny enough, I'm actually also watching Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Nice. Um, Fellowship of the Ring with my wife. Uh, we'll spend, send, sit down, like spend 45 minutes, kind of turn it into like episodic, um, a little bit. Cool. Uh, we do a Friday night movie night uh, with the kids and they alternate who gets to choose. So it's always how to train your dragon three right now. Um, I think we've watched it like six times, six weeks in a row. Okay. <laughs> it is uh, like how to train your dragon is one of my t- favorite movies of all time. It's really good. Um, yeah. So it's, it doesn't bother me too much, but yeah. So other than that, not really, I don't spend a lot of time watching movies or TV. It's, yeah. it's books and games me no and that's uh that's that's probably not like what i found is that i watch less um since since i've kind of yeah i've kind of distilled it like i like to read and listen to books and like playing games is kind of like my primary yeah. avenue of entertainment um but josh how about you watch have you watched anything interesting no, not really. Um, and, and yeah, I don't watch too much TV in general, but, um, usually my wife and I, after the kids go to bed, if, if we're not, if we don't have anything on our plate, usually that's our time to kind of 
watch something together. And that has not happened over the past couple of weeks. So really, we haven't been watching anything. We do a family movie night as well. Uh, tonight was actually uh, Lady and the Tramp is what we watched because I wanted something nice and slow and not crazy, you know, so that the kids can actually kind of wind down, uh, even though it's mm. a big giant screen in front of their faces. Um, but last week we showed them The Princess Bride. And they really enjoyed that. So that okay. was a lot of fun as a movie night. Um, they particularly liked, which is so funny, you know, the things that kids latch onto. My kids particularly liked, well, there were two scenes. Um, it, Fred Savage, his, this isn't a kissing book, is it, Grandpa? Um, <laughs> they really liked that part. And then when, uh, I think his name is, no, it's not Fezzik. What is it? Uh, uh, the Italian, the Sicilian. It, I can't remember. Is Montoya? Or no, no Fazzini, there you go. Yeah. When he's laughing and he dies and he falls over, um, yeah. they particularly <laughs> like that too. Oh, and I, and actually, there was a third moment: the uh, Buttercup's dream, uh, where the the old crone is 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 yelling boo at her. <laughs> boo, boo. Uh, my daughter uh, did that to me the other day. Um, my little three year old, you know, she doesn't really know. Uh, wow. Anyways, it was it was really funny. So they really enjoyed it, and so that made my, my my heart very warm made my heart very light yeah i i I forgot to say that i got to choose on friday this Mm -hmm. last week so we watched emperor's new groove nice yeah Yeah. they actually they actually like that one so (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) dude i just i i one like i i i forgot how much i did enjoy like older disney Man, yeah, it's hard to remember those old days, huh? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> not exactly uh, putting Robin out Hood. hits. <laughs> no, man. Oh my gosh, Robin Hood is so good. Yes, yeah. Dude, Robin Hood animated Robin Hood is like, it's it's goaded. It is like the great like. It might be I, like my favorite. Like I actually have a shirt. Um, with it's it's got oodle lolly oodle lolly golly what a day. And it's got the the rooster on it. It's like. That is arguably like that is like the Disney movie for me. Oh man! I, I I set up a a when I was coaching basketball, I set up a uh, out of bounds alley oop play from underneath the basket that was called Oodle Alley. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I, when I worked at a painting company, so I was like the prep guy, so I did like all the sanding and pressure washing and stuff like that. And I would quote the movie, the entire movie to myself as I was doing it. Cause I was so bored and I was like, <laughs> so I was able to like, cause I'd seen it so much when I was a little kid. Like, Dude, I could, I could quote the entire movie back to myself. Wow. That's not a bad thing to have in your head. <laughs> I don't Man. think I could do it anymore. <laughs> I nah. got a couple concussions since then. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Too much paint fumes. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, um, you did mention the Princess Bride, and mm-hmm. it, it's funny. Like, it is funny what like kids latch onto. But I think the one for me that always like, of course, like inconceivable. Like, you know, yeah, um, yeah. And I do not think that word means what you think it means. Kind of thing. I use that one frequently. I look at people oh, and yeah. I'm like when they say something stupid, and I'm like, you keep I don't using think that, that means. What, I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, <laughs> but for me, and and. And obviously the one is like, you know, you killed my father kind of thing. I always loved when Wesley is rolling down the hill and he goes, Mm -hmm. as you (laughs) wish. 
Wesley, my love. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that was that was one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> man, dude, I'll tell you what this this might be uh, one of my favorite sort of like entries into like the the movie like sort of like <laughs> oh, like yeah, dude. We another, brought up animated Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> another weird connection I had not made or maybe I had and just had just forgotten. But, uh, you know, the movie ended and started the credits and it said it was directed by Rob Reiner. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the same guy directed this in Spinal Tap. That's, this is <laughs> I amazing. know, right? <laughs> like, how crazy is that? Excellent. Uh, yes. Paragon we of had, our time. Yeah. <laughs> We haven't been watching a ton. Um, we did turn on an episode of One Piece tonight. Um, I mean, and when I say Anime? we, no, or, the, or live the, action, the Netflix live action. Sweet. Um, Megan's been enjoying that. Um, she asked me questions, and the, she's explaining the plot to me, and I'm like, yeah, no, this this thing that you've been able to like come to grips with in the last four hours. Uh, I spent hundreds of hours uh, getting <laughs> to this point. <laughs> um, so um, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was like, no, I, I know what's going on. Um, and we just got done with the uh, the uh, Black Cat Pirates okay. um, yep. arc. And I was like, Dude, it's just, it's really, it's surprising how like tight that show is. Um, and yeah. really, it's really pretty cool. Um, but I haven't been watching, I mean, besides like children's programming, there's a lot of like sure. baby Einstein sure. and miss Rachel mm -hmm. getting played in, gotcha. in my house. Um, <laughs> we're clapping, we're clapping, we're clapping, 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 we're clapping, we're clapping, clapping. Now we stop and it's like, and Byron is clapping. So, Hey, oh, whatever. Like, nice. yeah, he just started it today where and he doesn't do like the whole hard clap, but it's like the, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going for it. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. So we're, we're kind of into that. Um, I, what I did want to mention though was, and I had mentioned this in the bro hang, but, um, you know, friend of the show, Patrick Miller released, he wrote an article, um, on on Christianity Today called, and I had just pulled this up. So this is awesome, awesome radio. It's um it's called Meet the Zoomers Martin Luther, which it's clickbaity, but and it's it's a little whatever, but it's 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 that it's all about that SEO. Um, mm -hmm. and I enjoyed the article, and then he he mentioned the fact that um he had this guy the rede the redeemed Zoomer, um, which is you know, a handle kind of on his, uh, his podcast. And mm -hmm. so I listened to that episode. I just wanted to sort of plug both of those things. Uh, the, the episode of, uh, truth over tribe with, uh, the redeemed zoomer. I thought was, it's an interesting conversation. I, I found it to be pretty encouraging and challenging and refreshing. Um, and I, I enjoyed the article, although I am a little embittered about the fact that I had to go to the Christianity Today website. Um, mm. Not exactly thrilled about that. Um, yeah. Just skipped over that uh, that Taylor Swift article and went straight. Yeah, to the well, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. Oddly, um, that was written by a millennial. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, pox. But upon yeah, her. that's that's kind of been. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Uh, um, 
that's all I've been uh, as far as like watching kind of like, or, you know, so, um, but uh, I think it's time that we, we, this is a video game podcast. So let's take a oh, beat yeah. here and let's talk about some games that we've been playing. Now, Jordan, again, mm-hmm. we're like, what have you been playing lately here, man? Now oh, you uh, did disclose to us that you are a PC master racist. Yes. So, yes. um, Yes. Um, when is well, what's the lately time frame? Uh, wh- whatever you want, like whatever you want to talk about here, man. Like <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I, w- uh, I would we- say in your case, what is the best game that you've played lately? Oh man, that's difficult. Uh, so then you can reach back as one, far as you want. Uh, let's see. Nine months ago, mm-hmm. I played a game that ended up in my top five all time. Whoa. Um, that is Outer Wilds. Okay. Um, I cannot tell you anything more about it. I wish I mm-hmm. could forget everything about it and play it through it again. Mm. One of um, those. Yeah, it is It is fantastic. Uh, most recently, I've been playing through the Return to Moria. Um, okay. Uh, uh, survival crafting dwarf game. Apparently, what do you I'm think a, about that so far? Uh, there are some issues with it. <laughs> um, some technological, like technical issues with it. Um, there are some design decisions I don't really like or agree with. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of like um, progression quickly through areas, but that means you have to change camps quickly because it's not like open world like a Valheim or something like that. So it's like it's more like linear into open spaces. So you end up with like these hubs that you're moving resources around in, um, in a way that I don't find fun because you have a very limited backpack um, Mm. space. So like the resources that you need at the previous one, you want to take to the next one, but there's like a, uh, I think the most recent one is like a 10 minute walk between them and you can only carry, well, I just recently upgraded my backpack, but you can only carry, I think it was 10 um, different resources at a time. Okay. And it's, it's just, it, it, it feels like a lot of busy work for the only for the sake of extending the playthrough um, mm. for, and I don't like that. Mm. Like those design decisions are, um, that's probably not under NDA. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have been a part of, the processes in other games where design decisions were made like this to extend the lifetime of the game. Okay. Um, yeah. To the detriment of the player base. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then I've been playing a lot of rocket league. Okay. Uh, okay. So like okay. basically with my group of friends who are playing Moria, the wind down game is rocket league. And uh, so I probably put more hours into rocket league than I'm putting into any of the games since world of Warcraft. Um, it scratches wow. like this this competitive itch, this teamwork itch, um, this like dopamine if I'm getting better at something itch. Like it's just yeah. it, it's a pretty pretty fun and it scratches the toxicity itch where I get to be toxic to randoms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where you get to be part of the problem. Yes. <laughs> if there is no solution by the devs, I might as well be a part of the enjoyment of it. <laughs> Uh, there's there there is that there is that <laughs> so yeah nice. that's that's what i've been playing awesome awesome 
Well, I've got a nice little list, so I'm going to run down it pretty quickly. Nothing like substantial, but I have actually been putting some more time into smaller games lately. So uh, the first one is super boring. It is a Picross game, uh, which is a little puzzle game. It's sort of like Sudoku, sort of like that, but it's one that I've been chipping away at for a long time, like probably a few years i'll just come back to it and then stop um but it's the it's the my nintendo picross uh, legend of zelda twilight princess version on 3ds Uh, i finally cleared out the last of the puzzles so i actually not only like finished the game i guess there's no real credit roll but i completed all the puzzles so i completed the game 100 percent um, so that was, that was a lot of fun and it gets a little addicting if you're, if you get really into it. So it's, it's like a cross between Sudoku and Minesweeper. If that makes sense. It's Picross. It's fun. So after that, um, I wanted just another, yeah, short game to play through and I popped in Mario Kart DS. I played a bunch of Mario Karts, but I had never actually played the DS version, even though I'd owned it for a couple years. Um, and it was, it was fun. You know, it's, it's something you have to get used to. Uh, I really like Mario Kart 8. And so, you know, going back to DS, there's definitely, you kind of have to get used to some of the things. But it's a Mario Kart game. It's racing. There's a, a healthy dose of just uh, rubber, rubber banding somewhat, um, but just just luck, just dumb luck. <laughs> Um, and, and so you, you go with it, but that was a lot of fun and it had a good amount of tracks. It had like eight different cups of four tracks each, um, that I finished on 50 CC or finished, you know, like got golds in 50 CC and then got golds in a hundred CC. And so rolled credits on those and unlocked some extra characters. Uh, so that was fun. And then the final game that I finished is a little indie game that I've known about forever and I've known is really good forever. And I'd never gotten around to playing it until just now. And I can join you as a, as a PC master racist. And, uh, cause I played it on my laptop with an Xbox controller. This is Fez. Okay. I know, I know it's, it's super old. We've, we've played, you know, it's, it's been around forever, but it is such a cool little puzzle, you know, like, um, what, what I'm trying to think of the the genre. The, tons of indie games are just these like puzzle platformers. That's what they're called, puzzle platformers. Um, and this, it's a little gem. Um, it does kind of show its age in that the it, it doesn't re, it doesn't tell you where to go. It's sort of open world, um, but the the detriment to that is that you don't really know where you're supposed to go next in order to find. So it's just like find. 32 of these items and then it just lets you loose in all the different places that you can go to and the map isn't it's a little helpful but it's not super helpful um so it had some it had some frustrations i will say um but i did finish it rolled credits and then oh no uh you've only finished half the game the other half is in new game plus um so i did not finish that um, because from what I've seen online, it's almost required that you use a guide if you want to finish the entire game. So I was like, you know what? I think, I think I've played enough. I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, but I think I've played enough Fez for now. So um, those are the games that I finished. I did also, this is really uncharacteristic of me, but you know, Christmas is coming up. And so I picked up a couple new games. The first one is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Okay. We've got some, some of our friends, 
some ponies who've talked about this game. Uh, Nick Porch over on uh, uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing new under nothing the porch. new under the porch. That's right. <laughs> and then uh, Wes over on Retronym have talked about this game recently, and so I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Found a deal on it, and I'm like, "And my kids are totally into Pokemon right now." So I figured this would be a great one to get them for Christmas. So I, I picked it up as a Christmas gift. And then there's another one. I really like these um, Super Nintendo. I loved Super Nintendo games in general. So uh, these Super Nintendo remaster remakes, I got the one for Sunset Riders. And uh, there's one for this other Super Nintendo game called Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. Um, and it was like $11, $12 on Amazon. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and pick that up. So picked up, so beaten a few games, picked up those two games. I, I, I didn't start playing either of those just yet. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I sit for now. So with completing Picross, with rolling credits on Mario and Fez, but then also picking up two games um, according to our beatdown rules that, that adds, adds a negative two to my score for the year. Okay. Okay. Um, well, as far as what I've kind of been playing or whatever, I finally uh, not only rolled credits, but got the platinum on Ghost of Tsushima. Um, nice. And uh, I went through and 100%ed the Iki Island content as well. And um, we, and we kind of were talking about it. And it's like that game is just um, is such a master's class. And it's, again, like I hate to use the word like underrated, but it just, it kind of, it's just like it it's quietly i think one of the best first party properties sony has in its stable and mm. uh, going through it the the art design is like it does everything really really well um traversal is brilliant the the user interface is brilliant the sound design is uh, just like i'm like it's is just solid nines across the board um, mm. and frankly, like, you know, it's closest sort of touch point is horizon forbidden West or zero dawn. Right. Okay. And frankly, I think the story is more compelling. Like mm -hmm. Horizon's story was interesting. Um, but ultimately I think it's just like, it felt like kind of generic sci-fi ish. Um, whereas ghost of Tsushima, like you can definitely see a lot of the uh you can see a lot of like Kurosawa, like Kurosawa elements like especially like and I, nice. and I wrote a little bit about it in the discord like i feel like there's some elements from like the, the hidden fortress and obviously seven samurai and i think with iki island you probably get in a little bit into rashomon uh territory um okay. but it's just it's it's just such an absolutely masterful game like it's it's an open world game that has compelling gameplay loops that the exploration is interesting and engaging like traversal is kind of like it does it doesn't quite hit like so spider-man is obviously like everybody's like traversal and spider-man is like the best thing in the world and yes swinging through new york city is a ton of fun um and so maybe like the traversal here isn't as high, but it's got sort of like all the other elements, like the combat is top shelf. Like, it's just like, it's not as brutal as like, you know, like Bloodborne or a soul's like, it's just, it's a masterful game, like through and through. And I, I'm just like, 
I am so excited about, um, I'm still, one, I'm still kind of processing it, but I'm so excited about this game um, and, and the sequel eventually. Uh, so it's, I, I just like, you know, the, the, the devs over at Sucker Punch, they just killed that. Like they just, mm. I, I think, like I said, it's, uh, it's, it's probably my favorite first party, Sony first party uh, property yeah. right now. Wow. So, wow. Um, so you're looking forward to in the sequel when, when you can swing around Japan as a samurai and then attack some I thought that was a new horror. Assassin's Creed game. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the Assassin's, the new Assassin's Creed game. Um, I'm definitely like a little more, uh, my eyes are on that. A li- that's, that's a little more on my radar now because I'm like, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause I as think long as it has the bloodborne bosses in there as well. Um, <laughs> man, that's what it sounds like. You you're know. the worst, Josh. <laughs> you're just, you're just awful. I'm um, just trying uh, to make the perfect game. The, the perfect game. Um, <laughs> I'm mean, pretty has it sold. I think you could take that to a publisher and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> Don't encourage him. Don't encourage him. Um, oh, yeah. He doesn't I, need any I, help. I, I don't, I'm not going to be back next time, so I can just like lob the grenade and encourage, and then, yeah, don't have to deal with the outcome. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to go swing my way back oh, to the Oh, man. Well, this is, I guess that's, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a guest prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> just come in and, and sow chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, one other thing that I've kind of like, so after I beat that, um, I didn't want to sort of jump back into Destiny 2 right away, al- although I do kind of want to get back into it. I want to wrap up the seasonal content on that um, because it's Destiny 2 and I'm a chump. Um, but uh, I started like, and I picked this up a while ago and, and, um, Josh, you may may or may not remember this, but Valkyrie Elysium. Oh it's, yeah. Um, oh yeah. You I got, you didn't you buy it like three times? Twice. Twice. Don't, okay. Don't judge me. <laughs> um so and, and Jordan, just for, for like Valkyrie profile um on the original PlayStation is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Um it's just like it's weird. It's this weird side scrolling RPG thing. Triace, um, it's it was published by Squaresoft. Uh, well, now it's Square Enix or whatever, but um, it's this weird '90s, like late '90s, early aughts RPG thing, and it's just it's a, a bit of a cult classic. Valkyrie Elysium was sort of a a sequel to of sorts to it, um, and it underperformed. It was like critically kind of like it. I think it's sitting on Open Critic at a sixty six, so it's not like terrible, but it didn't perform awesome and as far as sales go it was just kind of like middling to flat um but i i bought it and i bought the steel book because i wanted the steel book and then the only way for me to get the valkyrie profile lenneth remake that was supposed to be attached to that was to pre-order the digital so i pre-ordered the digital version to get to and and then the valkyrie profile lenneth remake actually got postponed so the one thing i was really pumped about like super amped about um yeah i had to wait on and i still haven't Uh. played that yet um (laughs) 
But I ended up actually playing through this game. And okay. it's one of those things that Josh, that I, and I actually just recorded a bite-sized on it, um, mm. which will have already probably been published by the time this episode. So anyways, time travel. Woo. You know, <laughs> um, the mysteries of, uh, of, of editing. Um, but I play, uh, I'm playing through it and I haven't finished it yet. It's, it's a shorter game and it's really kind of interesting. Like you can, hmm. I remember when I played the demo, I thought like a really interesting touch point was near automata or near automata. Right. And I was like, it's still, there's like, it feels it kind of feels like it wants to channel that. There's a lot of like, hmm. you know, the desolation in, in near Tamada, like, you know, yeah. the emptiness of the map with like, there's kind of like, it has these elements where it's like, and it's one of those games that it did take a little while. The combat's pretty interesting. It's not going to blow your mind. It's definitely not like Ghost of Tsushima. It's not Bloodborne. <laughs> it's not, it's not super technical, but it is interesting. Um, and it just feels like one of these games where I'm like, this has like a really interesting vibe, but it was just, it's undercooked. Like it's, it's kind mm. of, it didn't have enough time, you know, to really like sort of build out the maps and the environments. Cause like it does feel a little desolate and in a way that's kind of charming, but like the maps the map there's like exploration is 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 non-existent it's just like it doesn't mean anything like it's just like you can you can explore but there's no absolutely no reason to do that it's not yeah. like you can find like special equipment or special items or anything like that it's just like you can go there and it's an empty alleyway it's like hey what's down this alleyway this might be interesting it's like it's kind of hard to get to and you go down it and it's like meh, it was an empty alleyway <laughs> and it's like Oh, that's disappointing. Um, yeah. So there's that. It's it's a really interesting game in some ways, and it's just it's kind of a massive disappointment in others. And I say all of that, I'm not hating it. Like I'm kind of enjoying my time, but it's it's also a game that kind of makes me like a little sad, um, because it's a game that while I'm playing it the whole time I'm playing it, I'm like, you know, if they would have just taken a little bit more time and really like built this out a little bit more, clean this up, like spent a little more, like just put some more resources into it, like build out the story a little bit, like, and the assets are kind of like, they're fine. They're not, it's, it's, it, it just feels like super budget and kind of like undercooked. And it's just like, and it's disappointing because as I'm playing, I'm like, there's some really interesting ideas here and you could have had a really special property. I yeah. think if you would have just built it out a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, that's a shame. Cause it, it sounds like it's squandering the IP as well, just because we haven't had another game in the franchise in a long yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it like at, at best, like the Valkyrie games were always sort of like cult classics. So I don't, they, they were never going to hit like, Final Fantasy numbers, but you know Square Enix. Sure. Like with, with Square Enix, it's like you know they're always disappointed. It doesn't matter if it sells like, <laughs> but uh, this this their numbers. Uh, I did look at some of the numbers, and the only ones I could find were the the copies in Japan, and it was like 
the original, I think, sold like almost uh, 500,000 copies in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. Like Valkyrie Profile. Uh, Valkyrie Elysium, I think, sold like around 40,000. Mm. So Oof. it's pretty. And that's, again, I don't know how current that info is, but it's a uh, it's pretty it performed not well so i think uh it's just disappointing i think the reason it didn't perform well is because it was a half-baked game sure they kind of rushed out the door but um yeah so as far as you know you you mentioned your beatdown score as far as like updates to mine the the platinum the complete the the completion the beating and the completion for ghost gets me a negative two um the the hundred percenting Iki Island also gets me a negative two, um, and that that and then I had purchased Super Mario Wonder for my wife for her birthday, and so nice that puts me at a nice even zero, perfectly balanced, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, and I guess you know, sort of moving on here. So you know, Jordan, I you know, I know that you said you had listened to a few of our episodes, mm-hmm. and. Do you, do you this this whole backlog beatdown meta does not that, make sense to me? <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the quick and dirty version. Like Perfect. the the whole purpose of this is to encourage people to play games that they already own. So when you buy games, you add to the, you you start at zero, at, at you know at the beginning of the year, and when you buy games, you add to your your tally, and then when you beat games, you take away. So the thing is, if you, you're playing games that you already own, you don't have to add anything. You can just sort of drive your score down. Um, you're going for a negative score because ideally you're beating the games that you've had on your backlog for a while. Unless it's Rocket League. Unless right. it's Rocket League. <laughs> right, yeah. Games that don't have an ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's definitely not a meta that appeals to... Um, everyone but for people who sort of like because there is sort of like this mass accumulation kind of mm-hmm. thing that goes on like it's just yeah. like steam sales we we talk about like there's the, my, it's, my it's, steam it's, library is 440 and that's not very big <laughs> no they, no it's they, not <laughs> no that's a that's a, a reasonable steam library um <laughs> y- you know but it's it's kind of one of those things where this is just something where it's like it's a it's a bit of a tool, maybe like a bit of a stopgap for people who are sort of caught in the the just the 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 buy. Oh, things are on sale. It's like, hey, throw a little bit of thoughtfulness in here, and mm-hmm. if you gamify that, and you know, again, the rules aren't like super. There, there's a little bit of nuance there, but they're not super complicated. And so, like right. I said, the whole point is like negative means good because you're sort of you're you're creating a deficit against this massive backlog that you have. Like Josh has a substantial backlog. My yeah, back my backlog <laughs> I I have several hundred games in my backlog and that's mm-hmm. you know um I, I'm probably sitting at three or four hundred games in my backlog and Josh has something comparable to that. I'm I'm trying yeah. not to like out you too hard here, Brent. <laughs> um, yeah. But so that's it's 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 a fun little like meta game yeah. that like you know like I said it works for some people 
but it's, like it's it. not for everybody. But speaking of the Backlog Beatdown, it's time to talk about the official app of the Backlog Beatdown. That's the GG app. It's a Letterbox-style app for your video game collection developed by our friend Charles Watson. And what's kind of cool about it and the way that we use it is that you can create custom lists. Um, and so we create a custom list for our acquisitions. We create another one for the games that we beat. And we just sort of t keep a running tally of those. Now, again, there's different end states. And within the app itself, he's, Charles has built a function so that if you beat a game, you can mark it. I've beaten this game. If you complete sort of 100%, get the platinum, whatever you're sort of complete, I can complete it. You can, I was playing this. I've abandoned it. It's, it's a really robust little app. In addition to that, um, you can rate and review the games that you, you've played. Uh, you can see what your friends are playing. Um, we really like what Charles is doing over there. And uh, we think you ought to check it out. And you can check it out for free 99. And if you like what he's doing there and you, you want to sort of like get a little more involved for five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year, you can have access to the elite tier. And so when you're saying that, Nate, what does the elite tier get me? Well, it gets you early access to builds um, and uh, um, you get a unique role in his discord server um, and a little more access to Charles and sort of helping like, you know, you get to see what his roadmap is and offer input. Um, it's it's really a cool little community and, and a, it's a really a cool product that Charles has developed here. And we're big fans of it. And we think you ought to take a look at it. Other things that we think you ought to take a look at and perhaps throw money at it's it's us. It's this podcast like everybody else in the podcasting sphere. We have a Patreon. And we kind of want you to think about it as a bit of a tip jar, right? But it's it's a tip jar with benefits. You know, for as little as a buck a month, you can get early and uncut access to each and every episode in addition to a video feed. Um, and for our patrons, they get to choose a topic and or video game for us to think or to to play through and have an episode on and during that episode they can actually come in and join us and you know harass us so chaos um <laughs> you know it's a lot um, of fun yeah that <laughs> many of our our friends and you know uh patrons enjoy introducing chaos into our lives um <laughs> Please no one pick Stranger of Paradise next year. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos. Bergen's going to Bergen's going to sign up for the Patreon just to do that. Um, but uh so and and you know, like I said, like oh, man, I get well, I'll, I'll pick up from here. there because yes, you did mention you. that we do also have an exclusive uh, podcast that comes with the Patreon as well, where we just kind of talk about whatever we want to, whether it's video games, and we do a lot of video game talk there, or whether it's just other stuff that we're interested in, whether we just want to sit around Nephilim. and get to know Jordan, yeah, for the first hour before we start recording uh, the main episode. You know, who knows? You There's never know what you're going to get. It's it, it is a bit of a grab bag. So um, you know, and sometimes there's political rants. Other times there's not. Not so much. And and since I stopped playing Marvel Snap, there's a lot <laughs> less, less vitriol. Less political rants. Like like um, but I would just say like you've been radicalized by Marvel Snap. <laughs> yes, I've been radicalized by Marvel Snap. Um, well, I would not be surprised if there was some brainwashing going on. They had me. They had me really well trained. Um, like I was like, they were like, "Give us more money," and I was like, "Yes, 
yes, I will give you more money. You know, they they probably could have got my vote for you know variants of, of different cards. Um, you get a shiny if you if you. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's 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 how that's how desperate things were um, at that point in time. Um, last but not least, um, we, alongside our friends uh, Paul, the artist former currently known as the Techno Funk Boy Lytle, Wesley Ray, the Henshin Dad himself, and Nicholas Porcho or Porch, aka Porcho, are all members of the Play Well Network. A well, basically a network of podcasts dedicated to exploring the thoughts and the ideas and the practices involving play and recreating well. Uh, we love what these guys do, and we really think that you ought to check out their their content. Paul's most current sort of offerings are uh, a Dragonlance podcast called The Thorns of War. It's an actual play Dragon Dragonlance podcast. Um, Wesley's got the retro name. And then Porcho's got nothing new under the porch. And like I said, we we love these guys, we like their content, and we think you ought to check it out. And with that being said, here's a word from one of them. Hey there, I'm Wes, and I run the Henshin Dab Podcast. If you don't know what that is, well, it's a one-man show where I talk about all the things that you need to know about the tokusatsu genre from Japan. If you've seen shows like Power Rangers and Ultraman, then you've seen Tokusatsu. And I just happen to think those types of shows are pretty cool. So come on over and take a listen as I discuss all the current and retro happenings in the genre. You can find it over at anchor.fm forward slash henshindad. I'll see you there, and don't forget, henshin a go-go, baby! And we're back. Alright, folks, so here's the main event, right? <clears throat> And as as a bit of a brief introduction to this, you guys all know Mark Erickson for over, over at uh, 11 and a half minutes to talk about video games. He reaches out to us and and he's like, hey guys, I, I met this guy. He's really cool. I've been getting to know him. He's got a really cool project going on. I'm going to do a shorter form version uh, episode with him, but I really think, um, you know, I wanted to put him in touch with you. And, and I said, eh, sure. And, and then, um, so he made introductions with Jordan and we were chatting back and forth a little bit. I did some like, you know, not, super deep digging but some cursory digging on the the app formerly known as twitter um you know and i, I checked out some of your stuff oh, on there no. <laughs> ah, dude i mean like I should, at least i, I deactivated my ship posting account <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um well i mean i just i have one account and i just do all, all of right. my dirty business there um <laughs> I learned a long time ago um, that I have a lot more fun when I'm completely anonymous and people I don't like I don't know who's following me. It's like mm -hmm. when when like family starts following me and you know professional uh, contacts start following me. Yeah, I'm like okay, I can't really like you know, like say edgy jokes the way I'd like to. 
Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that makes sense now that you have a studio. You don't exactly yeah, especially want now, to. Now that <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you're right. going to have to curb some of yeah, those. I'm, uh, I'm just waiting till I get canceled to get like that that weird conservative Christian bump that happens when every like <laughs> like like relative conservative gets uh, uh, canceled. You'll you'll get uh, a five and a half hour episode on Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> um, oh yeah, but um. So, but anyways, we, we talked a little bit via Twitter and we set this up and I was like, Hey, cool. Like, let's have you on. Um, and then, you know, and, and then tonight for the first time we got the, a chance to talk and dude, I've just like, we've heard a little bit of your story. Um, but this, and, and again, guys, like if you're looking for like a bit of a, a, a real quick primer and again, it's, it's no, it's like, but like Mark had a really interesting conversation, like the, the fact that like he manages to fit all of that in sub 15 minutes. And uh, I just have to give you props for like, I mean, you you handled it like an absolute champ, like, and I like an absolute Chad King kind of like energy, dude. Like I was like, (laughs) I was like, this is a really compelling, like 15, well, 13 minutes. I think he ran. Yeah. We went over a little bit, (laughs) but, um, uh, yeah. Now, fortunately or unfortunately, we are not, uh, bound by those same tethers. Uh, in fact, one of our tags is that we tend to be really good at being bad at brevity. Um, so we wanted to give you an opportunity to, to really sort of just like walk us through as much or as little of this thing as you want. But I think it would be helpful for the listening audience to maybe get a little bit more of like your credentials here. Because like, you know, and obviously I, I'm going to want you to talk about luck score too and, and sort of mm-hmm. what you're your hopes and your dreams and and kind of your aspirations are for that. But like you, and we were talking about this again, like it was sort of a conversation prior to recording. You actually worked on a game that I had been wanting to check out for a while. (laughs) Um, And then we, we were, I was like, you, you mentioned it. And so why don't you just like talk us a little bit, like what are your credentials here? Like, what have you worked on? You, you said you've been in the games industry since 2014, right? Yep. Yeah. It was um, May 24th or 25th, 2014. It was a week before Wildstar launched. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, I had been in that community, actually, like, found out about Wildstar two years earlier in summer 2020, 2012, uh, working as a part-time or as an intern um, uh, for a local like programming, like it was a college management software company. Um, and so I integrated myself with the community. Um, uh, about nine months later, I got to go on what they called the arc ship, which was a community event where they invited a bunch of prominent community members and, um, uh, games journalists surrounding the, that specific game, um, Wildstar to, down to their offices in Orange County. Um, all expenses paid. They, they like put me up in a hotel. Uh, they fed me dinner. They basically showed me the game, let me play a little bit of it, and wanted to get a like understanding of like what did I think of it. And I got to meet some of the devs. From that, I I went into like a uh, closed like a friends and family beta that I got to play and like test for them. And then from that, I got to sh- actually got to volunteer. Um, as a uh, like working a booth at PAX West or Prime back then. 
yeah phenomenal experience like um i got to meet engineers um lead engineers all like all these types of things because i was in school for software engineering at the time fast forward to may 20 uh may 2012 or 2014 i graduated was able to get a job with them um one of the most painful interview experiences of my life. <laughs> uh, we can talk about tech interviews at some other point, but, um, and then we launched a week after I got there and went gangbusters. Uh, so I started off on the build team. I don't know if your, your viewers are kind of familiar with how like game dev works, but you're, I think you're kind of familiar with patching. Like you have to update your games every now and then. Basically, I would be a part of the team that would collect all the files that need to be updated for a patch and then send it off to the server so that everyone else would click download. Um, Steam automates the process pretty well now, but back then we kind of had, or for Wildstar specifically, we had to do it all ourselves because it was our own proprietary um, stuff. Uh, that lasted about six months. Um, the game did not do as well as everyone hoped. Uh, so then I went, got moved over to. AI. Um, so I worked with an AI engineer who worked on Fallout 1 and 2 and then at Troika um, before moving over to Wildstar. Um, he had some fast, like, if, like if you want to hear any stories or anything about like, mm -hmm. like, like veteran, um, veteran just interrupting me and be like, hey, what did he say about like Fallout 1 and 2 or anything like that? Because there's some ph phenomenal things. But I'm going to keep on going. Um, Worked with uh, worked on AI for about nine months. One of my uh, favorite bugs that we found was like we had these sheep in the game called Roused Hours, and mm -hmm. uh, the uh, uh, we kept getting these test reports back that like the Roused Hours were just floating in the sky, <laughs> and we had, like no one could figure out what they were. The bug had been open for three years at this point. Oh wow! And no one could figure it out. And part of the problem is like when you're in a in an environment like that. Like a bug like that, that's not easily solved, like say a day worth of work um, for a high level engineer, like like an expensive engineer is really not worth the time. Sure. Um, there was only one AI programmer that was working at the time. So, and it didn't pop up very often. It would be about every, there'd be like a, a bunch of bug reports every two weeks or something like that. And then there'd be nothing. Hmm. Um, so I've realized, I don't know how that, uh, I don't remember how at least, um, that the bug reports were happening when our ser our live servers were up longer. So uh, we had ex a, lot, a lot of world server crashes, so like people get kicked out of the game. And so we didn't get a lot of bug reports regarding this specific roused hour floating bug um, for a long time. Um, but when the servers were up longer, we started getting more reports. So I realized that there was something going on with like how long the server had been running hmm. and that was how these things happened. Uh, Weird. Um, finally, like after another, I've probably spent a week on this thing and I'm a, I'm a junior dev. I had no, like, no idea what I was doing. So I was like slowly figuring it out. And I finally found out that um, when pathfinding failed for these roused hours and usually happened on like a, a cliff like this, like a, a slope like that, it would teleport the character, uh, the actor, the the beast, to try and find back to pathfinding. Okay, and 
Okay. It, it would do that. But it was on a slope like this, there was a random chance that it would put it off of the slope even more. And then when that means that would fail every single time. So that would slowly and just slowly move it off, 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 off. So over a two week period, you would end up with 50 feet away. And if you kept it going for another two weeks, it would be 150 feet away kind of thing. Ended up being like a two character change by the senior dev once I explained <laughs> to him what was going on. But it took me like two weeks to unravel it all. Oh, man. Um, so then the, uh, uh, the combat spells, the, like the most senior combat spells dev uh, engineer, he left to go to CD Projekt Red to work on Cyberpunk. Oh, wow. Um, okay. That was in 2015, I think. Uh, late 2015. So I jumped over and took over all of his responsibility. And so I became kind of like the spells and combat um, software engineer. Um, let's see. And then about four months into that, we had tried to go free to play, did not work out. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of ums when I'm trying to remember things. So if that bothers viewers, I won't apologize. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't. They can deal. <laughs> And, uh, so this was March, 2016, um, 70% of the company got laid off. Mm. And so, uh, that was my first time kind of getting laid off from a company before a very weird experience. Mm. Uh, I spent the next four months, five months trying to find a job. Um, my wife had just started a real estate, um, c- career in orange County. So we didn't really want to move away from orange County anymore. Hmm. And so we're like, don't like, so games industry jobs are like, are, uh, once you're in, you're, you're pretty much in as long as you want to be in for, like if you break through, break through that first like gate, you're probably going to, you're going to get in and get another job in the games industry. People like to see like you worked on an, on another game. Sure. Um, but when you don't want to move, it's a lot more difficult. Like in, in Orange County, there's a lot of studios in there, but it's not, you know, a ton. There's a lot in San Francisco, a lot in Seattle, a lot in Austin, Texas, and stuff like that. Um, so we didn't want to move, so it took a little bit longer for me to find a job. And this is this is gotcha. prior to a lot of the the working remote as yes. being yeah. really viable. Yeah. yeah, we can yeah, we can get into that. <laughs> I've I have thoughts on that. Um, so that, that fall 2016, fall of 2016 or August, um, I reached out, my old tech director reached out to me. He had also been a part of the layoffs and he was like, Hey, I have started this studio, um, with two other guys, uh, two artists and me, uh, we're making a game. Would you like to be our first employee? We need more engineering help. And I was like, absolutely. Um, so before I got into the industry, I read a book called masters of doom. I don't know if y'all have read that mm-hmm. or not. fantastic book. And so I was like, that was what I was like imagining, you know, game dev to be like, and it was not like that at all. When I got in, uh, frost keep, um, the studio I joined as employee number one was very much like that. Like small group of guys, we were proving it to the world that we could put a game out in a year that was as good or better. Um, and we did. So, um, in March 
2017, we went to PAX East. Uh, we had our announcement trailer. It was going to be a uh, faction-based survival crafting game set in a Viking universe. Basically, you were in the realm between realm between um, Valhalla and the mortal realm. Like um, you had to go. Basically, you're you're put into this ethereal purgatory kind of thing that you had to go and fight um, the opposing factions in order to rise to glory. Our trailer, I think it hit 500,000 views in the first week. And wow. immediately, um, yeah, stuff started happening. <laughs> uh, the, the game was called Rend, R-E-N-D. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be. Um, so, yeah, there are a couple of things I'm, I'm not allowed to say about how that whole thing went down. Um, but sure. basically, at that point, I was... Um, acting as a community manager and AI UI engineer for the studio. So my days consisted of after like after packs was wake up at six work till 10 at from home, go into the office at 10 work till about eight in the office, go home work till mo- about midnight. So I was getting like Whoa. just constant work. Um, and I would generally take Sundays off. So it was like roughly 120 hours a week. Ooh, Man, not working on Sunday, and I'll tell you guys that it kind of puts a wreck on your marriage, <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, yeah, so, uh, about four months of that, five months of that, I, uh, uh, my wife and I had a talk, and I, I was like, and they at this point, we had, um, we were able to scale back some of our hours, we were able to hire, hire more people. Uh, into the into the fold and start working on the game more. So, um, so I started trying to scale back. Um, but one thing I've learned about myself is that I like to obsess about things, and so I had trouble kind of. knocking myself back down to forty hours a week. Um, and so I realized that basically the only way that the marriage was going to work was if I separated myself entirely from it. Um, gotcha. Since, since y'all will understand this, uh, I had made like my career into a, into a sort of idol that I was mm-hmm. like f- so focused on that I've, I refused to like, yeah. Um, so I joined my wife in real estate for about a year and a half. Hmm. Um, switched careers completely. Yeah. I was like, I was, I did, just didn't want to deal with it. There was, there's no games I wanted to work on cause, um, I've been extremely blessed that I don't have to, I didn't have to work on anything I didn't want to work on. Um, not yeah. a lot of game devs can say that. Uh, most of them sit there and have to work on some sort of mobile, like cash grab game or back in the day, it was like the uh, uh, DS, like I think it was like some of these kid games that were just, I was like, but you had to do it to make some money. Shovel like, kind of garbage. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so I didn't, never had to do that, and I'm very, very, very thankful. Uh, anyway, fast forward, we end up moving away from Orange County, and we moved to uh, uh, Chattanooga. My, I had a uh, beautiful, my daughter was born, and I was a stay-at-home dad. And about six months into that, I was like, I'm not a very good stay-at-home dad. Um, this was COVID <laughs> hit right in the middle of it. Um, 
Oh, wow. A, a, a lot of things were going wrong. Uh, I mentally, I wasn't in a good spot. Um, and so I reached out to one of my old coworkers who was the tech director for an exile entertainment. Well, tech director for an unannounced project at an exile entertainment. Um, and so I reached out and was like, Hey, everyone else is doing remote work. Why not me? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, we don't need any help. Um, but I'll keep you in mind. And then I think three weeks later, he's like, yeah, we could use the help. So, nice. um, March, 2021, I got to go and, uh, join the Nexile team as like contract engineer. And a couple months in, I got put on the UI team and basically built out most of the screens. They probably won't look the same as they do did when I put them in when the game's finally released. Um, but yeah, built out most of the screens and the backing for uh, the menus in Clockwork Revolutions, which was announced May this past year. Oh, wow. Nice. So, can Can you... And if you can, how long has that game been in development? Or is that like, because I'm trying to get like an idea of just like, I think sometimes we're not always aware of the time investment. Okay. Well, like uh, an example, like I can use a better example. Like I can use a different example. I don't want to say specifically for that one. Yeah. Because that could lead to some, um, Potentially, like like one of the things that is very important to publishers, Microsoft and game devs, is release dates. Yeah, and so I don't want to give up any information that, um, uh, yeah, could give off what where that is. But a single player game in general, like a triple A, AAA, let's say Ghost of Tsushima, um, or uh, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. It probably has a five-year development cycle, um, maybe six, depending. Uh, and different games have different ones. I don't know what uh, Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom was, um, but that is Ghost of Tsushima was probably a hundred people on average working for five to six years. Wow! And now, <laughs> how much of that is like? like laying groundwork and how much of that is more like boots on the ground, like throwing, like putting together, like I, I was going to say throwing together code, but like, you know, uh, that's a good question. Was um, it like, what does that five years like typically look like? So you'll, I mean, like you, you can kind of, you won't, it'll see, it'll be a little bit more fast paced. Like if you go to like Lux scores discord and you'll see like a little bit of like the progression of my own game, solo dev. Okay. Um, uh, it's a little bit different, but basically you start off, you, the first thing you do always is get a character moving. Like, and so like unreal has the benefit of like having their stock character that you can just kind of move around. Um, mm-hmm. it's like, it, uh, it looks like a iRobot kind of th- character. Um, they have it all coded up so that you can just go in there and just start moving it. And it has a gun and stuff like that. Um, so that's really the first thing. And then it depends on the discipline. So if you're an engineer, you start going and say, okay, like let me and the designer have to work together to figure out, okay, how do we get this game design document that we have, um, this scripture for the game, um, into how do we get this into? And then the engineer starts estimating how much time it's going to take to do that. Now, if you have, uh, systems designers, they will go in and say, okay, I want to be able to 
affect, you know, stat. I want to be able to add stats, affect stats on a character and all that type of thing and just, or on a weapon or all that. And then the engineer has to go and create the system so that the designer without having to touch code can manipulate how the system works. Um, that is how most games do it nowadays. Um, especially if you come from like an MMO, like MMOs, it, that's the best way to do it for MMOs because you end up in a, yeah, because it's fastest way to build content out. Um, artists in the meantime, depending on the discipline of the artists, you have like a, a environment artist, you have character artists, you have concept artists who are like just sketching everything and then giving it to a char- uh, character artist who will then like put it onto a uh, 3D model and then you'll have an animator, rigger, technical artist who will put it together and like put all the bones in there to make sure that like all the animation is done and then you have someone go in there and be like, okay, now that all of that base work is done, I can go in and animate it. Um, so if you do a 3D thing and you want it absolute perfection, um, it would take uh, concept concept to character to animator slash rigger or technical artist to another animator to put together. Um, so four or five people to, to get um, animations in the game. And that's, you know, that's, yeah. That's, it uh, depends on the, the skill, but it could be um, three months. It could be six months. I don't know exactly. Like that's, art is one of those things that I don't know actually a lot about in terms of the games industry. Um, I've seen people mess with things um, over their shoulders and stuff like that, especially at Frostkeep. We, we cut a lot of corners to make sure the game got out and it was a lot of fun. Um, but if you're going to do it right, like yeah, uh, systematic, it's going to take a lot more effort and time. And that is less fun. <laughs> well, and it, it's just like, you know, and I think that's the thing is like, it's, it's, just a much more involved process from yep. you know, tip to tail than I think sometimes, you know, and, and, and it's become like just a much more involved process, like development. Like we, I think growing up in it, like you hear about studios in like the eighties, you know, where it's like, like even like people. NES studios mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, a dozen people work. Well, uh, it's like final fantasy, uh, four two slash four and the you know it's i think was i think less than 100 people worked on that game for like a year or something like that it was like it's just like when you look at sort of the early ones yeah like the two like the two yeah no oh i think like goldeneye had six or seven people working on it wow like 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 the the teams like doom um uh with it doom was four guys basically uh or was it five? I think it was five. Okay. Sandy, uh, Adrian uh, Carmack, John Carmack, John Romero. I don't remember the last guy. I think it was five. Um, yeah. But then, like, so, well, I mean, World of Warcraft, vanilla World of Warcraft was only 45 people that worked on it. Oh, <laughs> like, like, built that game. It's like, now we have <laughs> to make a. Well, so the, now we're going to a little bit of like the the philosophy of game development and a little bit like that. So, sure. Um, 
I, you said I could use a couple swear words. <laughs> I, like we're on an R-rated uh, or a PG-13, yeah. I can use one. <laughs> uh, there's a term we, we use in the industry called pixel fucking. And basically okay. it's like you're making sure that every single pixel lines up perfectly because it will, it will look the best. But if you're going through there, so say you're, you're running through um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima or, or uh, Twilight Princess, and you're going through, do you care so much if the ground textures uh, repeat perfectly? It's like you're running through this, you're running over this thing, you don't, probably don't even notice. It's like mm-hmm. the amount of effort to get that, um, you know, that little thing, the last 10% of your game, is it worth it to spend, uh, was the Pareto principle is like, like 20% of the effort gets you 80% of the way there. It's like, okay, right. how much of that last 20% to, to quote unquote completion do you want to get? Because it's going to cost you 80% of what the total cost of the project is. And so there's this like, how much do people care? Like, you know, you go through, you go through into a back alley and you can find like a chest there that gives you a nice item that, that gives you a dopamine hit. But do you care if there's like, like the chest is arranged a certain way? It's like, or should the dev just go in there and just drop it in and just kind of leave it? How much thought and forethought and stuff like that? Now, I think if you do something like Wave Valve does, which it get, and, and what honestly Vanilla World of Warcraft did was give a lot of creative license to everyone doing their thing, they're going to go and do it just for the sake of their own, uh, and you hire the right people. They're going to drop it in for just for the sake of their own um, pride, like my own artistic expression and pride. I'm going to drop this in in the in the way that I think is best. But if you have overseers looking over them at all times, there's going to be a discussion. Be like, is this the right way to do it? And you're going to have three or four people sit there and argue over it. And you're going to sit there and be like, well, we don't know if this is the right way to do it. We should go and like have a meeting to discuss a systematic way of doing it. So we, and, and then you end up with like just this overabundance of like my, it's, and it's not even, I'm, 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 I'm giving a little bit of, uh, uh, like a, a generalization of my experience in the, in the industry. Sure. Uh, it's not always like this. Um, and I guarantee you that there will be people who say, I was like, I have all this artistic freedom to do whatever I want, but there is still a process. And I don't think the process is necessarily wrong when you're trying to get to a certain point, like quality assurance is a good thing. Um, but the quality assurance, you know, on say like a McDonald's hamburger doesn't sit there and mean that you have to make sure that like the, the, uh, buns are perfect, like a hmm. couple millimeters off the, off the meat, like in terms of like, it has to be a couple millimeter ring. It's like you could spend the time to do that, but 90% of your customers don't care. Right. It's like, how do you balance that? And I'm, and so I think a large portion of the bloat that's happened is because people are so busy, uh, pixel fucking that you end up with extra work being added to a lot of different things. Um, there's a YouTube channel uh, that, that is run by, what's his name? Uh, Tim Kane, Timothy Kane, who I mentioned, I think in the bro hanger before, before the show, uh, he was the, 
worked on Fallout 1, 2, founded Troika, worked on Wildstar, and then went and worked at Obsidian now. And he brought up that he's like, I need an aggro table on an AI. Uh, basically, if an AI gets shot, I want to keep track of who shot it, how much damage did they do, and then whoever has done the max amount of damage target that uh, that character. Relatively simple to do. Um, he estimated it would take him about 45 minutes for him to code. I think it would probably take me three hours kind of thing. He's a much more experienced um, coder than I am. Yeah. But like half day is probably what I would have given uh, anyone who would come and ask me for that. Um, the engineer that was asked, and I don't know who this is, but the engineer was asked, gave him a four week res- uh, re- response, like return time, like four oh weeks of time for me to do this. And he's like, I'm sorry, like this isn't that big a deal. I'll just do it myself. Engineering manager says, no, you can't do that because then we'll have to like maintain your code and we don't want to do that. Mm. Um, he attributes it to a, uh, he ends up, I think he ended up getting it down to two weeks. Like, but basically what he's doing was like, I'm never going to ask engineers for their time again because I, it's going to take forever to get this. Yeah. And he attributes it to like a lack of risk in the, in the AAA industry. I attribute it to, there's a weird thing of like it's not that people don't want to work it's like this fear of not hitting certain deadlines um i had a similar experience where i was like i was asked to give estimates on things i had no idea how the system worked and i'm like i don't know and they're like well just give us an estimate it doesn't have to be correct we just need an estimate so i'll give an estimate and they're like it won't be held to it if you like if you don't do it I did it like I would sit it. And if I was late, I would be badgered be like, well, why isn't it done? You gave us this estimate. So, so mm. this happens in tech too, like Google, Facebook, all them. Basically the mantra online is get your original estimate, double it and add 30%. And that is what your estimate should be. Cause then you have a, like solidly said, I've covered all my bases. Yeah, you, you've given yourself enough time, like, you know, so you've got some sort of oversight. So you've got like a bit of bureaucracy or sort of design yeah. by committee sort of like yeah. in there sort of. But what of, happens, like, like you, you talked about Mark being able to like concise down to 11 and a half minutes on his podcast. It's like, um, and I don't know if you've experienced this very much. I don't know, remember what the law is, but um, the amount of work. Um, is equal to the amount of time dedicated to it. It's like we have given ourselves copious amounts of time to explore a topic, and I love it. But that means we're going to take copious amounts of time. Mark gives us 11 yeah. and a half minutes. I only have 11 and a half minutes. I have to like talk fast. I have to get to the point, and then I'm done. Like If mm-hmm. I give myself three days to do a task, I'm going to take three days to do that task. Mm-hmm. Just It's a mental thing that that people are. So I think, anyway... I don't even know what the original question was. I went on a big, well, long diatribe. Well, we kind of, <laughs> I, I, I just asked sort of about some of the design process and mm. like we were kind of talking about some of that. Yeah. But um, I think that that's an interesting, it kind of, I think, uh, gives us, we have an interesting off-ramp to actually, so you were in the games industry and yeah. even in here, it sort of sounds like, you know, you 
you were and and fairly recently you were in in you know in sort of working on AAA titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and two months ago, I I checked in my last change, and you know you kind of you, you talked about this sort of like this design by committee, and so me and and if I'm putting words in your mouth, feel free to like push back. But sort of like maybe the frustrations about like working under just maybe a little too much oversight, a little too much constraint. And just sort of like, kind of it's well, and and even just sort of like the and and it's it's funny because you were talking about like they're saying like, hey, give us an estimate. Doesn't matter, we're not going to beat you up or whatever. It's I have a very similar process um, working for the post office. They like like how much overtime do you think you're going to take today? And so I give them a guess, and if they don't like my guess, <laughs> uh, I hear about it. Um, <laughs> Or if I go over or under my guess, um, I hear about it. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's not even like, it, it's not to say that, you know, my management is, is pretty solid. I, you know, I, I, I tend to get along with them pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're doing the best within a system as well. But it's like, yeah, when you said that, I was like, it's like, I was like, oh, I, I know echoes of that, like <laughs> dealing with bureaucracy. I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, like I could, I could, I know that taste. That's a very distinct um, sort of frustration. So, here's a, here's a good example that is not NDA exactly. Um, uh, Xbox has a certain amount of requirements for games that they have on their pla- XGS platform, right? Um, and the, I'm talking about like specifically UI requirements because I was working in UI. Uh, these are not. Um, these are publicly available, I believe. For the most part, so like anybody, anybody who wants to go there, like there's a certain font size that you have to get, and it has to be able to scale up to another font size because we have to be um, accessible to X amount of seven people. We have to have colorblind options and and high contrast mode options and all this type of thing. All very well and good, in my opinion. Um, but the amount of work I did to make sure that those things worked was much, much, much greater than just making the initial menu. Like, and then we made a menu at a default menu size, and then we wanted it to be able to scale, and that meant that it would break and make it look ugly. Mm-hmm. And it just and 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 it's like we I'm purposefully making things look ugly for in the name of um, accessibility in a way that I'm required to do, and it just feels really and if I, and you can't push back against it because it's like this is now your publisher this is the platform that you have to be on so you just have to figure out how to make it work um yeah accessibility was one of the but it but we don't even know if like the menu worked when i was having to set it up this way like so um the process would basically be a ux designer would create a menu um the flow of it and all that type of thing he would hand it off to me I will go in there and make it as close as I possibly could to his his spec. From there, it also had to be able to scale and all that type of thing. No, like, and so I would get feedback constantly, like, "Hey, this doesn't scale properly. It doesn't look good when it scales." I'm like, "Yeah, no shit. Like, things look ugly when they're three times the size that they were before, or twice the size, or whatever it was." <laughs> uh, and it's like, but I'll get that response, and so I would have to go back and like and redo some of my work. And then once I got that done, then we would hand it off to art 
art would go and put it in. Things would break. It would come back to me and then it would go off for final approval. But it's like before we even had like, what is the, like, does this menu work in the game? And not in terms of like functional, but like UX work. We're also, we're already worrying about like this pixel fucking of, I've used it three times. I'm sorry. This pixel fucking of, uh, uh, making sure that like they can scale properly and stuff like that. I'm sorry. I'm going into a little bit of a rant. You guys got me onto a rant of like frustrations that I was no, dealing with. Well, and, and, and I, I think that, that like the off ramp for us is like, so you made the decision to sort of go out and do your own thing here. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Let's, to, let's, to, let's, to get <laughs> out of, to sort of get out of that, that sort of that bureaucratic sort of negative feedback loop. You know, um, you're like, yeah. like I have some skills, um, and, but yeah. Um, so why don't you? You're basically you've started your own studio, um, and the, the one I think the 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 play on like it's Luxcore Studios, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a play. Like you know, I yeah, I'm 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 not trying to like out you. But it was like I was like, oh, I see what he did here. I okay. think actually when Josh and I were talking about it, we both kind of laughed a little bit. Um, okay, it was like light heart Lux core. Yeah, you know, yep. I was like, oh, I I see that. I'm like, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a homeschool kid who took years of Latin. So <laughs> I took years of Latin also, and I'm just a big old nerd who knows enough Latin to get me into trouble. Um, <laughs> so, but. You you, well, you basically decide to go solo. Um, yeah. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about this? This like what what is Luxcore? Like what? Like obviously it's like your solo project here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, like so you've heard a little bit of like you can probably you probably heard it in my voice in the topic like the frustrations I have with the AAA games industry in general and. That's, mm-hmm. They make some fantastic stuff. Um, I, I play a lot of AAA games and all that. Mm-hmm. But the impetus be- behind starting LuxCore was not just frustration. Um, <clears throat> honestly, it's a lot more positive than I think I could even give myself credit for. Uh, I, to, I, I think that there exists a significant or there is a lack of... Um, Christian entertainment and artistic, um, and, and, and yeah, uh, like, and when I say like, there's a lot of Christian rock bands out there. Um, there's a lot of Christian art out there, but they pander to a, like, I am a Christian, therefore support me instead of, Hey, I've made this fantastic song or I've, Drew, I painted this amazing mm-hmm. painting or something like that. Like, look at how good this is. And I don't think that that is an appropriate um, use of art being created to pander so that someone, you know, pays me money kind of thing. Mm. Um, so the, the goal has always been like from, from the very like inception of uh, starting a studio was that I, I, desperately wanted to make a game a studio that glorified God with the games that we made. Like that was mm-hmm. what it was. And I've seen, uh, um, 
over the last five years or so, like the, the, I don't want to say lack of like, cause some great games have come out in triple a and just triple a and, and the games industry in the last five years, like two of my favorite games. Um, but I, I, I also see like a, a, uh, almost postmodern approach to art and artistic expression in the games industry. And I want to be like, no, there, there's, I want to make a good game, an objectively good game that glorifies God. Um, so the name of the studio Luxcore play on my name, but it also fits in with like the philosophy of it. Uh, so CS Lewis has said, or um, I'm going to paraphrase him horribly, but um, he just kind of defines nostalgia as a uh, yearning for being made whole again. Um, he's uh, like the, mm. the other side of a door that we know exists because we have this feeling of um, what it's like to be there. Uh, like almost like a, a handed down feeling throughout all of humankind from Adam of a feeling of knowing what paradise feels like. And so when we think of nostalgia, it's not this idea of like thinking back to a childhood moment or, you know, something it's like, we're actually remembering the feeling that we had where we peeled back the curtain of heaven and saw a glimpse of what paradise was like for a split second. Hmm. That's what I want to do. So Lux core <laughs> is about peeling back the curtain of heaven so that a little ray of light can shine through and hit our hearts. Like, and so I, I am frustrated that my last name fits with Luxcore. <laughs> I um, wouldn't be frustrated. I think that's, that's, that's a very like interesting profit. Like it's, that is death. Frankly, but- dude, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, but then again, my last name's McKeever. So like there's <laughs> there's no sandwich sandwiching like my name into to much of anything. So Yeah. So that that's the goal. And I if that's just me my by, by myself working my tail off. If it's me, you know, ten years down the road having, you know, a couple forty, fifty person teams working on triple A style games, like so be it. I'd I want to make uh, I, yeah, I want to make a, a game that properly reflects the creation that surrounds me, the glory of the creation that surrounds me. Like, well, and I think hmm. too, like part of like, and, and uh, something I'd like to tease out is like, there's like a dedication to like excellence. Like you say, like, I want to make objectively good games. Like, and I think, you know, a, a verse that I've I've been meditating on is Philippians four eight. You know, where he's like, if there's anything noble, good, pure, just, honorable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthwhile, dwell on these things. And I think like mm-hmm. a lot of the Christian living is a call towards excellence. And I I think even sort of like. You know, and, and you said like, you know, art isn't your thing, but you're definitely in a creative field. Mm-hmm. And I think that, okay, so maybe you're not like, what I think the, the thing is like when you were talking about Christian art, right. And there's like, there's the Christian romance novels and I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and bad mouth any of that no. stuff. Cause I think it has a place. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have bad mouth that like, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, I, 
I, like I said, I love graphic design. Like that was sort of like the thing I went to school for. And one of the things I used to hammer on was just like the, the schlocky garbage t-shirts where it's like, you know, like it's the Reese's logo, but it's Jesus name. And I'm like, uh, shoot me <laughs> in the face. This is garbage. <laughs> and th there's a part, like the first time you see it, like, oh, that's, that's kind of clever. And then you see it like everywhere. Like, um, yeah. um, there was a, a shirt that my wife, somebody had got my wife and it was a guitar pick and it said, pick Jesus. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I just was like, she was like, it's funny. I was like, no, that's that. No, that's bad. Let's, <laughs> let's not. Um, but I, I think like, so like in your mission statement, it kind of like, you know, and I don't know if you have one formalized, but it's like, you want to make actually, good games. It actually games. is Philippians 4.8. Excellent. Excellent. I think it should be. Um, I think it should be. I think that mission statement, uh, I think Philippians 4.8 should be at the heart of every Christian creative's process. Like we should endeavor to make excellent things because I think it's like, and, and it, and it's, it's, it's like you said, I, I think like I, when I think about Christian games, like, and I grew up with NES, but like the, the Bible story or Bible adventure oh, yeah, game like, like or whatever. No, yeah, yeah. And I'm not trying to like bag on it. Like, you know, maybe some dude was like, you know, he just, he bent over backwards trying to make that. But it doesn't. Spiritual Warfare was a fantastic game. Yeah. That's what I hear. I know it was yes. a Legend of Zelda clone, but it was a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See, I never really played uh, Spiritual Warfare. I only played the Bible Adventures one and it yeah. was fun. And like, I didn't hate it, but like looking back on it, I'm like, this is not what I would call a good game. Right. It was, com it was like, barely competent and it was like fine um and i think like we so much of that is that we you know i think as creatives we should endeavor to again create not just like stuff that kind of stands up because like when you think about like christian movies and like um it's like so much of it is just like it's preachy just for the sake of being pre like it's like the, the God is not dead movies or whatever the, those, uh, those dudes who like, you, you know, and it's like, Hallmark they're Christ fine, Hallmark but they're Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, exactly. And it, it's just kind of like, it's fine, but this is not like great filmmaking. Whereas you have like a, an honest to God, like legitimate cinematic masterpiece in something like chariots of fire, which mm -hmm. that story, you know, that, that glorifies God. And right. so I think, I think like, and it's, it's an excellent piece of like cinematic work. Yeah. And I just think like, that's kind of like, it just sounds to me like that's kind of what you're endeavoring is like, I just want to make a good game, something that I'm proud to have my name on something that people will enjoy and enjoy playing and recommend to their friends. And not just because it's Christian, but because it's legitimately good. Yeah, I I think the best way to put it, if I had to, to explain like what I would like to do is, um, I want when I go up in front of the judgment seat, and, uh, you know, they look over all the things I've done wrong and all the things I've done right, and they see one of the games that I've made, I hear "Well done, good and faithful servant," like that's all I want to hear. It's like the yeah. talent that was given to me, I have returned fivefold or tenfold or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's awesome. No, that's that's very cool. Um, so tell me, I mean, share as little or as much as you want here. Yeah. But like, so you you have something in development right yeah. now. Yeah. What what, what so, are you building now? It like, and again, yeah, sort of whatever um, you're comfortable. Like, yeah. So I'm I decided to focus on a game that I could. I think that I could make into a sellable, playable game in six months, um, uh, but not completely finished. Like the goal was like I need to make it like a core game loop that's fun, and if I can't do that, I'll go and and go back to being a wage slave somewhere or something like that. <laughs> um, so I'm making the end game will be a rogue light, okay, uh, like a Binding of Isaac or Undermine. Um, maybe in the vein of Enter the Gungeon, I haven't played that one yet. Um, but it's going to be a roguelite. Um, there will be a story associated with it that will encourage the player to play through. But it's um, it's 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 like the the uh, hook will mostly be like the items, the mechanics, the the combat loop, and stuff like that. It's going to be just I just need to make sure it's fun to play when okay. you go in there. So the six month version will be more of like a, a vampire survivors where it's just like hordes of enemies coming at you. You can just kind of, mm. it's going to be more like a demo. You can kind of play, you can test, like you'll get, you'll be able to unlock abilities and, and play around with them. And those abilities will exist in the roguelite. So I'm like nothing wasted, no wasted time making this horde endless mode of this roguelite because the roguelite is going to require a lot of level design content um, uh, more art um, and stuff like that. So I want to get all of the gameplay and the mechanics and the systems in place so that then I can start building out the content and um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the goal is to do it in, in roughly a year. So get the systems in place six months. So that's um, end of March, I think, uh, next year. So end of March, okay. I'll basically have a demo up. Um it's codenamed Nostalgia right now, but I can't put it up on Steam because I'm going to change it from that name. Uh, and Steam does not like name changes. They don't like title <laughs> changes. Yeah. No. If, so. if they did, if they like title, if they didn't mind it, then I would absolutely go up and just put up a landing page so people can start wishlisting if they want to. Yeah. Um, have you played Hades at all? Oh yes. So is that like? you know that that kind of like model like they like that that game for me was like that that is like i i know that's like a super high bar yeah but i'm like that's like the pinnacle of like roguelites and meaningful play progression do you have something kind of along those lines in mind or is it more of um yeah i i know you mentioned like enter the gungeon and a couple others Mm -hmm. um it will have progression outside of the loop so you're not going to reset completely um i have not uh, fleshed out all of the uh uh how things work together entirely Mm -hmm. um it will uh the art in hades and the soundtrack in hades is, is so good um, Super Giant is is a phenomenal. Like a, it should be a case study in how to run a studio well. I think they still are sitting on yeah. fifteen employees. Man. Um, 
like like Bastion was phenomenal, and then they've just like like even with even their down games, Pyre, like mm-hmm. it was still a very solid game. Yeah, Pyre's gameplay loop is really interesting. Like I yeah. played Pyre, I enjoyed it. I think, it, and again, it's just like it's like one of those games. I'm like, I liked it. I just didn't like it as much yeah. as I liked, you know, Bastion or um, Transistor or Hades. Yeah. Um, and so, like, will I? I will not achieve Hades. I doubt I will. No, achieve Hades but I mean that that's sort of like that that loop where it's like that, that sort of like that play through it and. I, I I don't know. It's like, the, the, obviously the, you've got that in mind. So, so, just, so the set, yeah, the setting will be like you, you spawn in, you'll have like, or not spawn it, but like you'll start the game. You will, uh, there's a prophecy. Um, cause there's a, uh, a king who's somehow unlocked the secret to immortality. Um, and, and he has turned very tyrannical in that time. And 200 years ago, prophetess prophesied that a, uh, you know, a chosen one would, someone would rise up and defeat the king and, and relieve the land of its burden. Um, and it was very generic. Uh, yeah. And we'll, what we'll get there, like a little more things will happen. So your goal is to basically go and, and defeat the king. And so there's going to be a loop on that where it's like you go and you know, get into his castle that, yeah. and then slowly like rogue, 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 like progress into yeah. defeating him. So like, are and, and again, like you know, like are you going to use more of like the the tile set model? Or are you like it'll looking? T- yeah, be like- two dimensional, top down. Like, um, uh, yeah, it is a necessary design decision for art purposes. Mm-hmm. I cannot make things that fast, and I cannot yeah. contract. I don't have the money to contract out to make things that fast. Sure. No, 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 no. Yeah. So I, but but like, I want to make I'm, I'm, it has to be hand drawn. Like like I'm not going to do. I don't want to do pixel art. Like I'm I'm talking to different artists. I really want to get hand drawn, mm-hmm. um, more similar to Hades than say Binding of Isaac or Enter the Gungeon. Like I think pixel art can look good. I just think it's overdone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and it's and I think too. It's like, I mean, I think really beautiful. Um, you know, basically, when you look at something like you know, you, you mentioned the hand drawn thing, and this mm-hmm. is like an extreme example, but like Cuphead, like the hand drawn oh, animations in that, like, and it's thousands and thousands of hours, and it's basically mm-hmm. just Flash. It's yeah. glorified Flash, is in some ways, like, and and I'm just like, they can be absolutely stunning mm-hmm. um, if done right. So it's like just because it's like maybe not like, and pixel art, pixel art's like. It's also really ex- like time consuming and expensive um, to do it, it well. Like it, it is, it's pixel art seems to be easier for non artists to make something that looks pretty good. Like, like um, I could go in, I could probably draw out something. It'll take a while, but I could make something. I could not go in in there and draw like hand draw something that would look mm-hmm. good. So I want so, like I want something to be timeless kind of thing. Yeah, no, and mm-hmm. I I think that that's 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 and again that sort of goes in line like you're pursuing sort of like like and i think too even sort of like this like you're trying to keep it in scale like you're saying like listen Mm -hmm. this isn't going to be like triple a like banger high levels of production like i've got like even this sort of like saying like okay like i've got six months to get this sort of playable build up and then like you know and almost treating that as a bit of like an early access kind of mm-hmm. um feature yeah like i think just, yeah so that'll provide an opportunity to either 
take it in front of publishers if I want to go that route, potentially go to a Kickstarter. I've also thought about going and being like, hey, like um, private investors, because like, you know, you make connections with people. You're like, hey, like, do you want to fund my game? You have a 10% chance of getting your money back. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. I need like $200,000. Like, it's hard to go up to someone and be like, hey, 10% chance, you know, and get your money back kind of thing. It's like, it's much easier to go up to someone, you know, after you have a product and you say, hey, I need another $100,000 to finish this out. It's like, yeah. I'll, I'm offering you X amount kind of thing on, a, on an ROI. I find that a lot easier to sell to someone than like nothing. Um, this, well, like coming with like a, sort of a, a wish and a dream with your right. hat in hand and saying like, right. I don't really have much of anything, but if you give me, if you give me, which has sort of been kind of like, unfortunately the story with so many like failed Kickstarters, like yeah. or kick started projects. Um, I think it's, it's, it's pretty interesting too. Um, and uh, I I don't know if you're you, you know him or if you've crossed paths with him, but the, out of the the old reformed uh, or the old TRG Facebook group, a guy named Jeff Simmons uh, has started a studio. I think he calls it. I think it's called Revelation Games, mm. and he's working on at, at I think a, is it a survival? It's like one of the the yeah the crafting survival kind mm-hmm. of hmm. games. Um, He's and, and he he's sort of trying to work along something similar, and he's had several sort of runs at this, um, and I think like, and this is just me. I think he's mostly had like an issue with scale and keeping scale. But it sounds like yours is like what what's really encouraging to me is like you're like no, I need to keep this small, and if I can build it out, great. But we need to keep this pretty like dialed in. Yeah, right here I'm I'm that's was something we learned or I learned at Frostkeep with Rend. It's like we we're able to make a game in like with four or five of us, um, only two of us taking salaries in a year. Um, so I, I know that I know the owners put a lot of money in and like their time was extremely valuable, but I would estimate when you're probably was 300,000, maybe $400,000 total um, to build that game. It's like if we sell for $20 a pop on steam, ignoring the, uh, the, um, the 30% cut that steam takes, you only need to sell 20,000 copies to make that money back versus if you have a hundred people working on a game for five years or six years, salaries alone, that's $30 million. Like yeah. you end up with this situation. Yeah. Wow. Like I have to sell at $60 a pop. I have to sell 500,000 copies just to make my money back. And if you add marketing budget on top of that, which is generally twice, you have to sell a million copies. So like, Grand Theft Auto costs allegedly $250 million to make. Grand Theft Auto 5, sorry. $250 million to make, adding $250 million marketing budget. Now, they made their money back, but Wildstar, as an example, was in development for 10 years. It cost something like $200 million to make. It did not make its money back. They had to, like, and so design decisions made by people had to accommodate, you know, we're going into if you're going to have to sell a billion hamburgers, you need to make it more like a McDonald's hamburger than you do a, uh, like the local gourmet burger. Cause you're not going to sell a million of local gourmet burgers, but yeah. you're selling it to a smaller audience. And so you can afford to make it a little nicer or different in a way. Yeah. 
Now, it just sounds it sounds like like I said I'm I'm really encouraged um I guess by again sort of just like you know the um I'd say both what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. Really and and even sort of like, I think like your, your plan to me, and it, this is coming from the outside. I think yeah. a lot of times like, y- you know, even sort of like saying like, no, I need to keep this like kind of tight, keep it kind of like nimble. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I think like so many times, like when we see these more creative endeavors, it's like go big or go home. And I'm like, no, get something out the door and like as a mm-hmm. proof of concept almost. And then like once you've got your like sort of like, once you've got the door sort of kicked, it's almost like when you were talking about like getting a job in the games industry. The best way to get a job in the games industry is to have a job in the games industry. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of like I think the best way to really do this stuff is like show something and like it doesn't need to be like the killer app right off the but like show something as like and just say like hey i've got a good idea I w- this is like the stuff i want to make and like you know hopefully by the grace of god in a year two years 10 years whatever we'll be able to really scale something like this up and really like give you know sort of like make something special um yep. so and, and you know but i i just i don't know dude like your philosophy like it's like josh said the the what you're doing the why of it and like I said, I, I think even to just the, the fact that you've got like a really reasonable plan and you're like, I, I want to get something out the door in yeah. this amount of time. And I think that that's like, that's, I don't know, dude, I, Jordan, I think like, <laughs> I, I think it, it's kind of like one of those things where you don't want to say like God helps those who help themselves. But I think like a lot of times, like when you do the hard work of like showing up and this isn't a guarantee, right? Nothing's a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, you know, pra- praise God. Um, but I, I think like, I just, I, it, it sounds to me like, like you, you've got, you've got the why you've got the what. And you've got the how figured out, and those are the most important questions. And and so I just think, like, dude, I'm I'm really encouraged. I'm really hopeful. Like, um, I'm definitely gonna be like, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna like, you know, like try to find a way into your Discord server and yeah, like sign and up no, for your. You can go to luxcorestudios.com and and the Discord is linked there. I would like give you it to you right now. It's just like it's a jumble of letters, and I don't. I yeah, it, so. yeah. No, we'll um, yeah. and we can plug a lot of that stuff in the show notes as well yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I just and, I, like I think this is really. I, I need incurred. to add one more one more component. Yeah. No. 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 Though. Go ahead. Real quick, and and I know Josh is. I saw him almost fall asleep for a second there. So I thought, <laughs> usually it's me, but I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. he's the one who got caught on camera. Um. Uh. So about a year ago, almost exactly. Uh, I went to my sister's wedding, um, and my dad preached a homily on hope and Mm. I came away and I was like, and he was very much like Christian's life should be full of hope, Christian, like all that type of thing. And I remember like introspectively thinking, I was like, well, my life is not full of hope. Um, Mm. this was last year. Uh, and I had to talk with him. It's like a big, long, there's a big discussion. (laughs) Um, and because I, I I have devout faith and I differentiate faith and hope. Whereas like 
um, faith is planting seeds in the ground um, because God has told me or created the world in a way that if I plant seeds in the ground they and I do things correctly, they will grow. Like that, that's, that's what faith is to me. It's like, I, I trust that God will do what, like that the, the world well, will you're trusting in God's promises. Right. Whereas hope is, um, to coin another term from Tolkien and, and Lewis is you catastrophe, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a good catastrophe, something good happening to the protagonist or like, and I was like, sorry, <laughs> like, I don't have any hope that something good will happen to me. Like, just I, I don't I don't expect anything good. Like, about a week after that, I was sitting there after reading the Bible and um, had what I call a WTF moment with God because um, I see other people. I was like, how, like I can see the hope and the joy and the spirit on them. How come I don't get that? And it was a, probably the first time in my life that a prayer was answered instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like came away. I was like, Oh, it's, it's like all this insecurity sins that I was struggling with are basically gone in a way. And if I wasn't like a Christian for my entire life, you know, like if I would have grown up in like a more uh, Pentecostal way, I'd be like, Oh, there's, there's my, my conversion. It was like, no, it was like, but I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know how to explain it exactly. Um, except I describe it as I'm now, I, I, I didn't feel favored before and now I do feel favored. Hmm. And hmm. since then things have lined up to have the studio open, have things in our, my wife's and I lives f- fixed just in terms of like how, you know, finances working out so I can open the studio, um, childcare working out and all that type of thing. So wow. it, 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 I, I, I don't know how to put it except that that has to be, that's an integral part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. That's super cool. Well, and I think Josh and I can sort of say, like, I think you know, Josh's story um, within the last year is like he was working for a church and he got laid off, um, and it wasn't anything that he had done. But even like sort of leading up, like, so he said he's moving to Iowa. It's like mm-hmm. they had tr- they had looked for churches to sort of get involved with in the Austin area and nothing panned out. And it's like every step of the way, like God kind of shows up in a way that he's like not expecting. And yeah. like, even sort of like conversations that Josh and I have had where he's like, he's like, yeah, our house hasn't sold yet. And <laughs> it's been like, it's in, in like the hottest real estate market in the country. <laughs> and he's like, that's a little discouraging, but, and it's, it's just, it's kind of moving forward. And, and, and just like, and God shows up. And I, I would even say like, I think like, like, like I mentioned, my son is, is adopted and we just finished out that process. And, uh, we, we got the, this, this is going to make, it makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, <laughs> when I think about this, but we asked for, for taxation records and everything like, cause you know, we're going to apply for the tax credit. We ask for basically a, a receipt um, from our the, our previous law firm, seventeen thousand dollars to adopt my son, and that's just in legal fees. That doesn't like we were he, because we didn't it, like we were paying for all of his doctor's visits out of pocket and everything else. And it the money 
always made it. And there were a few times like I, I reached out to my parents, like the money, like we, we did an initial fundraiser, our church helped us, but it's like the money always showed up. Cause like, listen, mm-hmm. I do all right in the post office. I do not have $17,000 to fling around. <laughs> um, no. you, you know, and, and I think like, it's just like that phrase, like, like you build a plane while you're falling. Right. right. And I think. I think a lot of times it's like you just, you think like, he's like, I have to just step out in faith and I have to step out. And in a lot of ways you have to step out in hope, you know, right. and to say like, you know, like, dude, there were so many times, like I was under just tremendous stress for the longest time. Um, like, and, 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 and that the, the story, like this, this whole adoption process has made me a bit of a, like, a, I was a nervous wreck for probably about <laughs> six months of it. Um, because I know there was a point. hair like you and me though, Josh. <laughs> no, no, I got, I got good stubborn genes. Um, <laughs> um, but I was, uh, you know, th- there was like issues of custody and everything else. And there was like, there were like so many fears and anxieties and, and everything that sort of, and like now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, it's like, you can see where God shows up. And I'm just mm-hmm. glad too, that like you had this moment where like, you know, God said like, you, you know, in a way, like it's like step out, step out and hope and see what happens. And, you know, I think that's cool. I I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm excited like about this project. I'm excited about the philosophy behind it. I'm excited to just see where this goes. And um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm glad that you carved out some time to hang out with us and talk. I definitely <laughs> at some point in time, like obviously like you, you want to come on sometime and give us uh, like, and sort of update us on the project. Yeah. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think too, um, at some point in time like, with your experience, I'd love to just sort of like, maybe we could take, um, take an episode and just chew the fat about like some of your, your dev stories, like the things that, that. people might not be aware of and say like, Hey, like, you know, okay, you see X, Y, and Z, but like the reality is like, cause I think a lot of times like, dude, and I'm guilty of this all the time. Like I play destiny, right? And Destiny's like the gameplay loop is solid. Like their biggest problem is monetization and sort of like content. Yeah, kind of predatory, out. yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's not kind of predatory. Like, dude, it's like blood sucking leech levels. Um, <laughs> like, um, but, and, you know, part of it is you got chumps like me who will throw real money at them from time to time <laughs> instead of just like buying the game and playing it. Um, All right, hold on. You want to hear a quick story about a whale? Sure. Ooh. Okay. Um, so I had a friend who worked for a mobile company that did um, microtransactions. It was a racing mobile company. Okay. And uh, or like they made a racing game, and they sure. had a, a whale in Europe, I think, who paid um, like five thousand dollars a month on this game. Okay. Oh. Um, That's he, someone's salary. <laughs> he. Yeah. He paid, he was using an Amazon Fire Phone. Okay. okay. Um, do you remember the Fire Phones like back in like 2011 yeah. or 12, something like that? Basically, everyone stopped using them, like, like stopped uh-huh. supporting them. But this guy was single handedly keeping this company to keep supporting the Fire uh, OS and app and all that type of thing. So they finally just reached out to him and said, Hey, 
can we have your like you you just won a free iPhone <laughs> and sent it to him so they could drop support for Amazon Fire and he would keep it and they gave like gave him all the all of his stuff that he kept had bought and stuff like that. Oh it's man, like, so he would keep on paying for it. Like the stories in 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 I've heard of twenty thousand dollars a month every month being spent on mobile games. Whoa, oh my goodness, it, it is, yeah. Um, Dude, I felt bad when I was probably spending upwards of sixty bucks, fifty to sixty bucks a month on Marvel Snap. <laughs> like I felt pretty gross about myself, <laughs> and now I'm like, well, I wasn't a total degenerate. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, more um, like a, it, it, it well, is. Well, and then the what you end up, which don't realize this, um, but a way to look at it is is free to play players or below like like because the whales make up like one percent of the people mm-hmm. who pay okay or sure. of the player base is is, is supports the 99 percent that doesn't pay or pays less than that one percent whatever that cutoff is is the content for the one percent mm-hmm. gotcha mm-hmm. yeah you are basically playing the game to get eaten up by the whale by, by because the whale. they spent so much money well yeah, snap I, in context. That that definitely puts my experience. That reframes the entirety of my experience with the Marvel Snap. Um, I was just I, I needed to be a bigger whale. That's all. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's that's really. So, oh man. All right, one more story. Um, my, uh, Activision Blizzard, now owned by mm-hmm. Microsoft, has a patent on um, matchmaking, a matchmaking algorithm. Okay. That will uh, after you have bought a cosmetic item will put you against easier opponents for the next three mm. matches. Gotcha. Yeah. So that they see your cosmetic. Uh, and, and it's like, so you do better after buying a cosmetic. Oh, geez. <laughs> that is absolutely nefarious. No, no, no. <laughs> we do not know if they put this into the game, any game. It's just, they have the patent to do it. They, they have, they have the patent to to. Oh, geez, that's just. I mean, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing is like we talk about like the the predatory and sort of exploitative nature of microtransactions, mm-hmm. but then like the 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 fact of the matter is like yeah, there there's dudes out there who will pay companies five grand a month to play their game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this exists. Yeah. Um, and yep. just everybody else, unfortunately, like falls prey to the the ramifications and the fallout. Yeah. Um, but I will never put a microtransaction in any one of my games. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, we, like we, re, this we, is my we George have W. Bush. This is my George Senior moment. It's like uh, there will be no no taxes <laughs> or whatever he said. Um, <laughs> read my lips. My, yeah, no new taxes. No microtransactions in any of well, my games. And I, nice. I, you know, and that's kind of an like an, I don't mind microtransactions in, in sort of a cosmetic sense. I think where they get really dangerous is like when it becomes like the minute it verges on like pay to win, like that's, that's where the real problem lies. But we should have a but, conversation. We should, we should do another episode where we talk about microtransactions and cosmetic microtransactions. And I, I a whole bunch of arguments against, <laughs> I mean, I, I would probably agree with you in principle. I just yeah. think like when it, when it boils down to it, I, 
I like buying the shiny things. <laughs> yeah, you can't I tell know. me not to. <laughs> My heart tells me yes. <laughs> My heart is deceitful above all things, and it tells me that I need that cosmetic. Um, oh, boy. Well, that being said, I think this is like a pretty good place to start winding down here. Josh, it looks like you have something to say. Yeah, can I can I just ask one more question? So you talked about Jordan, you talked about um having hope and how how cool it is that all these things are kind of converging in the start of this. And you've also talked about your plans for, you know, getting the first version of this game, you know, kind of the early build out by March. And so we're super looking forward to that. Uh, my question is, what would be your hope for LuxCore? Um, what do you want to see with this release in March and then kind of like into the future? Or or is that like as far as you you have kind of imagined right now? But I'd want to see like what what are your hopes for the future and how how can I be praying for you, bro? Yeah. Oh. Um uh so the the hope hope of the 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 march build mm-hmm. um would be to uh either earn like to generate enough money through that to be able to hire five of the right people to build out the rest of the content okay I'm, um outside Sweet. of that i've not gotten into the details of what um uh what nostalgia will look like in a year mm-hmm. i know that i like I have a, an an outline of the story. I have the game design document mostly written down. It's a lot of a lot of it's up here. Um, I know like the acts and stuff like that. Uh, but that that's very much like come March, depending on if the game's fun or not. Um, I will sit down for a week and build out the rest of like okay, this is what I'm expe- I need to accomplish in the next six months to a year kind of thing. So like the March end of March is uh, I need to have it fun <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where people who play the game say, I would like, I like to, I would like to keep on playing this. Um, Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. And the, and so it sounds like you, you want to constantly kind of build on like, that'll be kind of sort of your foundation, but then be building for. Yeah. The, yeah. Quite a so while. The, well, so um, nostalgia end result will be. I'm hoping. I don't want to take longer than eighteen months. I'm hoping for a year. Okay. Like shooting okay. For a year. Cool. Um, okay. And that would be a team of max of ten, but that would be a lot to build up ten in a year. Without sure. Some, yeah. That would cause some fraction, uh, like fractures in a, in philosophy and culture and stuff like that. Mm. So, um, shooting for two to five kind of thing. Yeah. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do the solo. I want to collaborate with people, which is also why I'm against remote work. <laughs> okay. Mm. Ah, gotcha. Like I, I would want a local, like other dev working with me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think I've been, I've been hearing a lot of like, uh, that remote work works for some people, mm-hmm. but I've been hearing that like collaboration, uh, a lot of people do feel better about, the collaborative experience. Yeah. I, you know. I did some, some great work working remote for an exile. Like I got a lot mm. of work done. Um, like more tech, like more lines of code written than I would have been if I had been in the office where they the right lines of code. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there gotcha. was nobody to like come running down the hallway and being like, what did you do? Yeah, or it's like you don't hear overhear the conversation and be like, oh, that's what they meant by this as they were walking by or like having lunch with my team or something like that. Yeah. I I hope that this is not the last time, you know, sort of like uh, dipping into Josh's cheesy dad joke vibes. Um, I hope this is not the last time we hear from you. I, I hope to have conversations with you again here soon. And I hope, dude, that like, yeah, you keep us in the loop with uh, this because I'm 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 pretty stoked. I think this is just, you know, based on and again, you know, we're sort of ver- at the very sort of like tip of the spear here with all of this. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's definitely pretty exciting. So, yeah, man. That being said, I think this is probably a pretty good place to start winding down. Josh, you know, let's, uh, yeah, come on. Observe the final the, forms. The, the, the final right. forms. Yes. This is I, our final forms. My, this, this <laughs> is a, this is my, this isn't even my final form. It's not. Oh, no. Uh, No, but generally, you know, just as we wind down with the episode, uh, we have a couple more forms that we have to hit, and one of which is just our community shout-out, because we really appreciate the community um, that surrounds us here at the Backlog Breakdown. So my my shout-out, maybe this is kind of cheesy, maybe it's kind of self-serving, whatever, I don't care. I just want to shout-out Mark Erickson for introducing us to Jordan and allowing us to have these conversations. I say these because again, pre-show now into this nice beefy episode. I mean, just hanging out with us all night and well into the morning hours. So, um, yeah, well, thank you to Jordan and, and those thanks will be coming here yeah, at the end dude. of the episode as well. Yeah. Um, but also Mark, you're the man. Appreciate you, bro. Well done, Mark. Well done, Mark. Um, oh, hi, Mark. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, everybody's brain goes there. I did not I just, either. I did not. I did not. Um, my my sort of community shout out, and and I actually gave him a little bit of shine with our Saturday shout out as well on, mm-hmm. on social media. But I wanted to shout out Amazing Josh. Like he is not, you know, he's not trash Josh. He's Amazing nope, Josh. That's me. Um, and he's not as present on our Discord as as he has been at times. And I, I couldn't find him anywhere on social media because I was like, I think he has a Twitch channel. Um, mm. But I don't know that he does anything with it. Anyways, um, just, you know... He's been sort. Of, he's been an early part of the community, and what I have noticed is, like I said, he's not super present, but a lot of times he kind of swims up and he drops something like really good on us. And he shared uh, an article about um, Steam library fatigue that I thought was really interesting, and mm. I sort of, I just wanted to say, like, dude, um, thanks, amazing, Josh. That was a really cool post. Appreciate you, man, and uh, glad glad to have you in our community. Mm. So, yeah, man. That's awesome. And if you guys have any thoughts or questions or anything along the lines, you know, the, there's plenty of ways that you can reach out to us. Um, our email address is thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com. We're on Twitter or X or whatever the heck you want to call that platform. I, I don't even know how many characters you can have on it anymore. I, I guess they increase that. Anyways, doesn't matter. I'm going, I'm going down a total tangent here, but our handle on that platform 
is at bbdowncast. We do have an Instagram as well and Facebook. We're the hashtag backlog book club. Uh, and then we also have a Discord and link for that is in the description. And if you want to get a little bit more personal, I generally, everywhere on the internet, go by Broccolope and Nate goes by. Nate underscore McKeever. Yeah, and sort of Closing out, so they know where to find us, but mm-hmm. Jordan, where can they find you? Uh, my Twitter handle is at real Jarnod because Jarnod was taken when I deactivated a really old, old account. So they won't get back to me. And, mm-hmm. or if you want to go to the Luxcore stuff, um, it's Luxcore Studios. Luxcore Studio. Yeah, Luxcore Studios.com. You'll find the YouTube channel, the Discord, and I believe the Twitter account on there as well. Awesome. And they can sign up for um, your uh, email updates as well. Yep. yep. Yeah. Awesome. And if you come in, you can, you, in the discord, you can play test the October build. Um, oh, like we let people go ahead and play it. It has some major issues already that some of the play testers have found, but if you want to see like progression throughout something, you, you're welcome to come in there and see what it looks like month to month. That's very cool. Very Man, cool. Man, um, I'm impressed that, that you even have a build, a playable, <laughs> you know, something. That's awesome. That's so Things cool. happen when you press buttons. There is no tutorial, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> it's like, we don't know what, 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 <laughs> what things happen. <laughs> um, no, but, um, well, I think, um, and, and Josh, obviously, we can probably track down some of that and put it in the show notes yes. uh, for yeah. the listeners as well. But uh, that being said, I think, uh, you know, definitely, uh, Jordan, thank you so much for your time tonight, man. It was, mm-hmm. It's been an absolute blast, absolute pleasure. Um, and like I said, we, we will definitely have you on again here um, sooner rather than later, I hope. But that being said, Josh, I think we can call it a night. Mm-hmm. So until next time, we've done the things. What's, what should they do? Guys, keep eating down your backlogs and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.